G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for same race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Three past nine here on SCNZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Ricardo Ball in for you while Smithy is away at the Cricket World Cup. Uh, Not entirely sure when he's back, actually. It'll be some stage next week. Uh, I imagine he's going to stick around for the final. So we might might have Smithy back Wednesday is going to be my pick. But we maybe we should open a book on that. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Coming up on the show today, uh, shortly, Georgia Hale, the vice captain of the Kiwi Ferns, is going to join us. We'll talk to her ahead of the match, uh, the final match of pool play against the Jillaroos. That'll decide who tops that group. And I can tell you, actually, in the um, there's a game in the World Cup at the moment in the other group, um, and it's between the two top teams in that group. And uh, England currently 8-4 up against Papua New Guinea. A tight game, half an hour in. Um, PNG have really brought the physicality to this one and uh, giving the Poms a bit of a touch-up at the moment in terms of uh, smashing people over the line. So it'll be interesting to see how that one goes and how England come out of that match, to be fair. We'll get George's take on that shortly. Leslie Murdoch is the new president in New Zealand cricket. Of course, our former international for both hockey and cricket, and uh, we'll have a bit of a chat to her about what that means, taking over from Debbie Hockley in the role. We're going to do some talkback time. We'll just push it back half an hour after 10 o'clock uh, because... Uh, the caller of the month could win an Oklahoma Joe's Blackjack Charcoal Kettle Grill thanks to Ava Living. But I think a lot of people will have a lot to say about the cricket from last night. Uh, and we want to give you your opportunity to call through on 0800 150 811. So we'll do that just after 10. We've got a panel on today as well. Lavina Good and Graham Beasley are going to be with us for the panel. We'll catch up with Lou Herman Watt and Pip Morris from the TAB as well to get some updates for you uh, from Love Racing. And the TAB, uh, Ian Smith himself, the man that, whose show this is, is going to join us after 11. We're going to talk that Black Caps Pakistan T20 World Cup semi-final. Uh, the Black Caps really failed to front for that one, unfortunately. Just didn't didn't front on any front, really. Didn't bat well enough, didn't field well enough, didn't bowl well enough. Um, the only thing we did do well is, is call the katos, and that was about it. That's where, where it stopped going right for us. But we'll get some of these take on that. There's an opportunity... Also later on, for you to play Stumped and win a $50 TAB bonus bet. We'll do that after 11.30. All that and more to come on the show. This is Mornings with Ian Smith at 5 past 9. Menard with the tap. And there's Nuasala going forward. The try given by the referee. New Zealand and icing onto their kick. Nuasala with the try. And that win, setting them up nicely. New Zealand 34, Cook Islands 4. Yeah, that was the Kiwi Ferns' last outing, a 34 win over the Cooks. Uh, they also beat France 46-0 earlier in the tournament. The final pool game is uh, tomorrow against the Gillaroos, and uh, talking to us about that is the vice-captain of the Kiwi Ferns, Georgia Hale. G'day, Georgia. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. How's, uh, how's camp been? How's the UK treating you? 
Yeah, no, it's been really good so far. We've been here um, coming into two weeks, so we're finally getting used to the weather um, and the different time zone. But, yeah, it's been enjoyable. We've had um, some good footy that um, we've been a part of, and then we've also got to kind of experience England as well, just in some downtime. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you about that a bit later, but seeing you brought it up, let's let's talk about it now. I mean, tournament footy is different from getting together to play, you know, say the Jillaroos in a, te- in a, in a one-off test or Tonga like we did earlier this season in a, in a one-off test. How different is it playing tournament footy for you being in and out of the team? Like you didn't start against the Cooks, but you did against France. How how do you handle that? Yeah, it's um it's definitely different and it's something that you can't really kind of prep for. You you know, you've just got to be kind of ready to go at any drop of the hat. Um, and, I mean, in our women's competition here, we, we have like a four-day turnaround. So, you know, it's a little bit between, um, you know, wanting and needing a rest for some players, just nursing some niggles. Um, and then for other girls, just making sure, like, we get some minutes in and, you know, some quality footy. So, you know, I guess with the pool that we've had, we've had, like, the luxury to be able to, try some new combos and you know um, most of the girls have taken the field which is really cool and you know now we can kind of just like fine-tune everything going into the kind of the crunch end of the um, or the business end of the tournament. Yeah and in terms of I mean you know you're living in each other's pockets you can't really go home I suppose you know uh, what do you what do you guys do in your downtime and um, how important is it to get out of the team environment to give your head a break? Yeah I think it's just getting the balance right like we have um, a great group of staff and players that you know, we do enjoy one of those companies, so we get around the town and we've got free passes to try out all the attractions, which has been cool. Um, you know, and then we have uh, roomies, so we kind of get along with them um, quite closely. But, you know, I, you know, we're mindful that some girls just kind of need, um, you know, a day on their own or maybe an Arvo off or whatever it might be just to um, get away from footy and get away from the chaos and the madness of just being in tournament mode. So um, I think we've got the balance right. Um, you know, when it, when it comes to footy, we're really definitely turning on. And, um, you know, when we do have an Arvo off, we, we do dial down and, and we just chill out so we're ready to go when the, when the time comes. All right. If, you, if you're going to be a uh, plug some tourism for us, uh, what, what's the best out and about experience you've had with your free passes? What, what would you recommend? <laughs> we did go to the York Dungeon, which is kind of like, New Zealand's version of Spookers. Um, and we took our strength and conditioning coach there. And, you know, he's meant to be tough and the muscle man of the group, and he was um, an absolute scaredy cat. So that was entertaining. <laughs> get him a get him a, a sponsorship from um, uh, from one of the tissue companies, do you reckon, after that, potentially? <laughs> yeah, Kleenex. That's Cle- the one. That, that's the one. That's the one. Hey, uh, George, we've got, we've got a team name, of course, for the game against the Jillaroos. Uh, Abigail Roach is going to debut. I mean, it's a big game to make a debut in. Um how do you think she's going to handle that? Because this Jillaroos team have really bullied the other two teams in the group, haven't they? Yeah, no, they, they definitely have got off to a good start. Um, but we, are, we have all confidence in Abby. You know, she's a young gun and um, has come off the back of a really good season at Richmond, um, which is her local club at home. Um, she's, you know, really fortunate also to be paired up in the halves with Racine McGregor, who offers a lot of experience and, you know, really kind of leads our team um, around the park really well. So I think for Abby, it's just kind of jumping on the back of that and, you know, doing what she does best. She's, you know, quick and she's agile and she can, you know, look after her edge. Us middles will take care of um, rolling up our sleeves and then, you know, Ray on her side. So I think it'll be a nice compliment. Um, 
you know, I guess we're all sort of fortunate position where we we can see semi-finals. You know, we've locked in a position for that. So, you know, for Abby, it's just getting confidence and um, you know, coming into our own in that game, and and for us all to just build combinations with her. How much have you had a look at what the Gillaroos have done? I mean, they beat the Cook seventy-four zip and France ninety-two zip. Um, that looks pretty intimidating on paper. What what have you made of what they've put out there? Yeah, no, we, well, I mean, we've kept an eye on all teams. I mean, even currently right now we're watching England play um, PNG, which is cool. But, you know, we're well aware of um, the Jillers' kind of style and some key players and things. So, you know, for some of us that feature in the NRLW and, you know, rub shoulders with some of these girls, we've either played alongside or, you know, against them multiple times. So, um, you know, it, 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 I guess actually every team here has been a challenge in some mm. way or another. And, you know, the Jillers are a classy side, but... I think the focus is a more internal, worrying about what we can control and the brand of footy we want to play and, you know, just how proudly we want to make our country. So I think if we focus more so on us and, and what we can do and what our strengths are, then, you know, we'll just kind of see how the game pans out and, and how the tournament pans out too. Well, I mean, your team, the core of your team plays in RLW as well, so you know all these players pretty well. You've played them week in, week out, right? Yeah, no, we definitely do. Um, so, you know, we kind of know again, those different trends and styles. And, and for us, like, we play a, a rather physical game and for them, they like to play a fast game. So it'll be really interesting tomorrow night kind of um, who gets the upper hand and, um, and what it all looks like in a match-up. I think it's going to be a really close contest and a true contest. And again, like, we still have time um, before finals. So just to see, you know, where both sides are at um, and, you know, still to be able to go away and work on the things we're um, aiming to. Yeah, I mean, I know you don't have any control over it, but when you saw the draw... Did you scratch your head a bit to figure, trying to figure out how you and the Jillaroos got in the same group while England got to play Canada and Brazil? Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, even looking at our men's um, over in, in their pool play, you know, now they're coming up against the Aussies in the series. It, it just seems and sounds weird. But um, I guess with England being um, the home team and the host team, um, you know, potentially things are like working in their favour. But that's something we can't control. I mean, we're going to face probably England and, and the Jillers at some point or another. So, it, you know, we look forward to that um, that contest for sure. Yeah. Uh, now, what about your role? Because, I mean, your role with uh, the Titans is different to your role with the Kiwis. Eh? How, how, how different is it for you? You're playing, playing in the 13 rather than in, in the halves? Yeah, no, um, I really enjoy playing in the middle. Um, again, kind of like rolling up the sleeves and just helping out um, you know, our engine room as much as possible. You know, there's a lot of hard work that goes on there. So if I can just relieve a little bit of pressure or, you know, plug some holes defensively, that, you know, that's what I'll aim to do. And then, again, for like Ray and Abby, just to be kind of a solid link in the middle there and just to relieve some pressure from like their attacking game. And for Abby, who's new on debut, um, you know, just to kind of um, wrap some support around her too and, and make sure like I can help guide the team around the paddock so it's a it's definitely an enjoyable role and I, I'm liking the 13 so um yeah just looking forward to playing there again tomorrow night yeah I mean the the role the 13 the type of role you play is more of a traditional 13 where you know the the lock was like another creative player another uh, another playmaker we've seen more in recent times in the men's game you know guys like Joseph Tarpany end up in the 13 so it's almost like you've got three props playing through the middle uh, do you see the women's game ever going that way or do you think it's a completely different beast oh I think well, I mean just that position in itself has kind of evolved and you know some people some teams play the lockers like the bash and the crash and others kind of use it as more like a ball distributor. So, I mean, ideally you kind of can just be both, um, I guess would be the, the ultimate goal. But, um, 
yeah, I mean, it kind of just allows me to, I guess, express a bit more of my game or the way I want to play. So that's the enjoyable side. Yeah, and, and in terms of um, the, you know, mentally, the switch on for you changing from what you do at the Titans to what you do at the Kiwi Ferns, how does that work for you? And, and what is the difference uh, from a day to day or an on field point of view for you? Um, to be honest, not, I mean, not too much has changed. I try and just, um, you know, true to myself in, in both fields. So, at, you know, at the Titans, whether it's kind of like leading on the field or leading off the field or, you know, getting around the group and, I guess being now a little bit more experienced, you know, wrapping some support around our young ones and helping them kind of integrate into more of this elite space. And here at the Kiwi Ferns, I guess there's just more passion and pride because of, you know, the jersey we represent and, and the country that we play for. So, you know, I, I just, um, you know, love playing rugby league and it's given me so much. So I guess just trying to give back to the game as much as possible, whether that's in kind of like a community field or, you know, helping our next generation. Um, and, and again, just enjoying play some footy. Yeah, you still got plenty of time on your side, mate. I, 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 I see we share a birthday. Um, all good people are born on August the 9th, um, so 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 well oh, done yeah, on that. Leo's a good star. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yep. Definitely, but you still got plenty of time on your side. I mean, you've, you've probably got another eight years or so you could play, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, when you look at the kind of Kiwi Ferns honours board, you've got girls that have been playing till they're 40, so, yep, lots of time to experience the whole game. Yeah, um, and I know there's been some, if you don't mind me asking about it, but some, some talk about you potentially giving up the Gold Coast for Yorkshire, and uh, I know the colours are the same. It's both blue and gold, but, boy, the uh, the weather's a bit different. Are you, are you having second thoughts now? You've had a bit of time up there? Oh, no, no. It's actually been really cool just to kind of... Um, Settling here with the girls, obviously familiar faces from home, so um, that's been really nice. And then had the opportunity to kind of scope out, um, you know, the rugby league scene over here. It looks a little bit different, and it's a very new structure to what's kind of where I guess we're presented with back home. So, you know, they're definitely wanting to grow the game, and it's really exciting to see like they've got the super um, super league up for the women's, and that's continuing to grow each year. So, <coughs> so to potentially be, you know, a part of something like that really is really exciting and. To do it alongside Sam is really nice, you know, a nice thought as well. But I think at the moment, World Cup's at the forefront. So, you know, winning gold here is the goal. And then, um, you know, we'll just see kind of what footy comes off the back of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that uh, it feels like the women's game, while it's growing over there, it's probably still a little bit behind uh, what's what's happening with the NRLW at the moment. I mean, uh, I know that you've talked to Leeds and that's where Sam's going to be going as well. Um, but, I mean, is it is it nailed on that you would sign with Leeds? I suppose it's not that far away from a bunch of other clubs, so you could end up elsewhere potentially? Yeah, it's not as far um, from other clubs as I thought. I thought, you know, you're really travelling across the countryside. But um, <coughs> in previous campaigns, we have represented both the Warriors and the Titans. So I guess it's quite a nice thought to potentially be at the same club again. But, um, you know, I'm still learning the systems of the women's game over here. And um, I guess wherever I land, I just look to really help to grow the game and, and add some experience and, um, you know, just just keep things moving in a good direction for the women's space. So, yeah, I mean, it could potentially be the blue and yellow. I do like those colours. Um, <laughs> but, again, we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> yeah, 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 indeed. Well, I wish you luck which, uh, whichever way that goes, um, Georgia. Now, you are you said you were there with the team watching England versus Papua New Guinea. But, man, opening 20 minutes of this game, PNG just beat up on England, didn't they? Man, they were physical. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what we wanted to see. Like, we have quite a physical game ourselves, and, I guess if they could take a little bit of the sting out of the English girls, it might help us in the long run. But, um, 
yeah, it's still reasonably close um, at this point of the game and um, some good footy to watch. It's always nice to uh, watch a little bit before we go out on the paddock and play ourselves tomorrow. But, um, yeah, it's just nice to see from the previous World Cup in 2017 how much the game has grown and not just, you know, for our nation at New Zealand, but, you know, across the world you can really see countries invested in the women's space and, um, you know, really have the, the mindset um, and the um, the goal to grow the game, which is really promising to see. Yeah, half time in that game, England lead fourteen to four. Uh, Georgia, before we let you go, mate, I mean, there's been a lot of players who have played, uh, you know, Farah Palmer Cup here, and then have gone and played rugby league. Some that are involved in the Kiwi Ferns and, and vice versa as well. How how much of an eye are you have you been keeping on the women's rugby World Cup down here? No, we have. We've um, been watching it closely. We've actually planned a bit of a watch party here. I think it'll be maybe Saturday morning our time, so we're all going to get up and put some um, put some Kiwi Ferns gear on. We've got enough of it. Um, and sit around the projector and watch the girls. So that'll be cool. It's just really nice to see women's sport for our country like on, on such a um, pinnacle platform and um, that we, we may not be at home supporting them at Eden Park, but that we can support them from afar. So we're hoping that they um, you know find all the success that they're chasing and that hopefully we can do the same um, when it comes to our time in the, in the final series. Yeah, well, 40,000 for Eden Park for that game, apparently, which is going to be massive um, and great to see. I mean, the, what have the crowds been like for you guys um, play, playing over there? I, I imagine that Jillaroos game is going to probably be the uh, uh, the game that everybody's going to have their eyes on. Yeah, we did um, meet a couple of Kiwis at our local coffee shop the other day, and they said they would definitely be there. So it's nice to know that um, that people that are from back home originally um, are coming out to watch tomorrow. We've had the, um, the Kiwis boys come out and watch us, which was pretty cool, and we're hoping to do the same for them on Friday night. So, you know, even though, um, you know, we're not at home at our country, we're, um, you know, definitely rallying the troops we do have. But the English are doing a great job to bring out, um, you know, pretty good crowds for us. And they bring along school groups and, you know, young junior rugby league clubs and things. So it's just nice to see, um, you know, we're all here in support of, like, the growth of the game. And, you know, we've got the men's competition, the physical disabilities and the wheelchair running alongside our World Cup. And, you know, just the fact that, the, you know, the country can get around it and there's a buzz in the city and, you know, there's lots of footy on the calendar and lots of footy to talk about. It's just a really nice feeling to be around. Yeah, fantastic, isn't it? Uh, well, listen, Georgia, I really appreciate your time, mate. I'll let you go and uh, join the team to watch the second half of that game. But I appreciate your time. Best of luck to you and the team for tomorrow against the Jillaroos. Hope we can, hope we can give them a smack and uh, get top of the group, eh? <laughs> yeah, that would be lovely. Thanks so much. Cheers, mate. Go well. Uh, Georgia Hale, Vice Captain of the Kiwi Ferns, there with us on SENZ. It is 9.21. It's 9.26 here on Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Ricardo Ball in for Smithy while he's away at the Cricket World Cup. Double eight double three is the Temper Bedpost text machine. You can get your uh, text through to us, your messages, whether you, you want to talk the cricket from last night. You've got to comment on that. Uh, you've got to comment maybe on the Black Ferns or the Kiwi Ferns coming up and maybe the All Blacks as well. We have had a text from Mark uh, saying, if only our men played as hard and with as much passion as our women do. There you go, uh, talking about the Kiwi Ferns there, obviously. Actually, I did mention um, to Georgia Hales that we just had on the uh, Kiwi Ferns vice-captain about the Black Ferns and whether or not you know they, they're keeping a, a, an eye. Looks like they're going to have a big team watch of that game, which is great. Well, the uh, Black Ferns have named their team for the final, and this is it. Uh, Philippa Love, Georgia Ponsonby and Amy Rule are the front row. Maya Ruse and Chelsea Bremner are the second row. Alana Bremner, Sarah Hidney and Shemaine McMenamin are the Lucys. Kendra Coxedge is at halfback. Ruahi DeMont is the 10. Portia Woodman and Ruby Tui are the wings. Teresa Fitzpatrick and Stacey Flula in the centres. 
Renee Holmes is playing fullback on the bench. Luca Connor, Crystal Murray, Santo Tomata, uh, Jonah Nawu and Kennedy Simon are the forward reserves. Ariana Baylor, Hazel Tubik and Aisha Leti Aiga are the back reserves as well. Uh, Liana Mikalai Tu'u is unavailable due to injury, which could be a bit of a blow because she's had a great tournament at number eight. So that is the Black Ferns team for you ahead of the final against England of the Women's World Cup. A reminder that we're going to have actually a, a Bleeding Black special on Sunday morning. Uh, it's going to be myself and Steve Devine from 8 till 10 Sunday morning here on SENZ. We'll be looking at that World Cup final. Uh, we'll get some people on, some guests on to talk that. We're also going to go up to Scotland and uh, get uh, some previews going for the All Black Scotland game, which is, of course, at Monday morning New Zealand time as well. So a Bleeding Black special for you, 8 o'clock on on Sunday morning. We've also got uh, a lot of games of uh, football going on this morning out of the UK. It is uh, the League Cup third round and um, we've got a bunch of Premier League teams in action. Uh, Arsenal and Brighton are currently locked at one all just before half-time. Newcastle, Crystal Palace, uh, nil all. Same for Forest and Tottenham Hotspur. Those are all with about five minutes left in the first half. Southampton currently trail Sheffield Wednesday at the same point. West Ham are tied up with one of the best teams in the English Championship this season at Blackburn Rovers. That is one all. Wolves and Leeds currently nil all, 42 minutes gone. And the later kickoffs, there were two later kickoffs Liverpool playing Derby, Manchester City playing Chelsea. Both those games currently at nil all. Coming up on the show, Leslie Murdoch is going to join us. Uh, she has been voted in as the new New Zealand cricket president. She's uh, taking over from Debbie Hockley. So we're going to get Leslie on shortly and we'll uh, you know, sort of get her take on, on what went right and what didn't go right last night for the Black Caps. And then after 10, your opportunity to jump on the blower, 0800 150 811, and talk what you would like to talk. Now, whether that's the Black Ferns team that I've just read out and, and, and our chances ahead of the World Cup final, whether it's the Black Caps last night at their semi-final uh, against Pakistan, another uh, time that Pakistan have knocked us out of the semi-final of a Cricket World Cup. If you want to talk All Blacks versus Scotland, you want to talk the Football Ferns, they play South Korea this weekend, or you want to talk the Rugby League World Cup, we'll cover all of those for you after 10 o'clock. And remember, caller of the month, in to win, an Oklahoma Joe's Black Jack Charcoal Kettle Grill, thanks to Abe Living. Uh, coming up shortly, we are going to be joined by Leslie Murdoch, the new New Zealand cricket president. Right now, though, here's the latest in news and sport from Araha Hathaway. 27 away from 10 o'clock here on SENZ. It is the mornings with Ian Smith. Smithy still in Australia with the T20 World Cup, of course. Uh, so Ricardo Ball in for him. But joining us, uh, another doyen of New Zealand cricket, uh, Leslie Murdoch, who's just been appointed president of New Zealand cricket. Congratulations and good morning. Morena, thank you, Ricardo. Pretty yeah. exciting. Uh, very exciting, Leslie. I mean, uh, how far out um, from the from the uh, being elected was was this and uh, this process going on for you? And uh, what is that process? Well, I got a call from the now chair uh, of NZC, Martin Sneddon, about would be fourteen months ago, where New Zealand cricket had decided to reenact the vice presidency role and asked if I would be prepared to occupy that role. It's um, nominated by the board and voted on through the AGM process and with the view of becoming president, but it's always, um, at the end, it is always voted in by the, um, the 
major associations, the district associations, all those who get a vote at the AGM. So it was always going to be a process, but I certainly had you know, a bit of time to come to grips with what it is, and I've been grateful for that because I've been able to sit in on NZC board meetings and understand just what a big business it is. Yeah, it is. It's a massive business, and I see. I mean, you know, there's some great news out of uh, out of New Zealand cricket. You know, the the surplus that they turned for last year when you know they were budgeting a loss, and obviously with with the impact of COVID and thing, that's that's great to see. So it looks like the management of the game is in is in good hands. Um, I mean, you, you sat in on those board meetings, and you, you've had a look at how the job works. I mean, can you, from somebody sitting on the outside looking at what what does the president of New Zealand cricket do? What are your roles? What are your responsibilities? Well, it's um, probably a couple of adjectives come to mind for me anyway. It's ceremonial and it's representative. And and while I might sit around the table, I certainly don't have a vote. You know, the the directors of New Zealand Cricket uh, go through an appointment process and uh, excellent, actually. And so I'm, I'm just sitting around there and I guess I'm a nod to the heritage of the game in a lot of ways and... You know, it, I, I do get opportunities to talk, but really, I'm I'm there as a, a yeah representative of New Zealand cricket rather than decision making, shall we say? Yeah, right. So the decision making comes from the board or from from David White. Absolutely. I mean, how does how, how does that relationship work? Well, I think the governance of of anything is done by the board and the CEO and and the management team enact that. So. Um, Martin said, and they're a very hard-working board, extremely hard-working. I think anybody who's been in the sports business, well, any business through COVID, in fact, has been, we all know, really, really tough. And they've had to be, um, you know, they've probably doubled their workload, I would imagine, over that time. And, you know, your sport has to continue. You know, my love of sport, obviously, I've played at the highest level, but, I mean, I have a huge amount of admiration for the volunteers who continue to do work in the club level. And, you know, that's not an easy place to be. You know, marry that up into the high performance area and um, their pathways that are available for both men and women, boys and girls, is fantastic you know, for cricketers these days. And you only have to look back to August where New Zealand cricket announced that there was going to be same pay, same play on the same day for the white firm cricketers and match it up with the black caps so you know it's a pretty exciting time to be involved with those kind of remits happening and you look I think it was about 10 days ago the BCCI the border control for India announced that their woman would would get the same deal and and you know to see that happening around the world and the fact that New Zealand did that it's just really gratifying. And you know New Zealand uh in terms of sport in general, has has tended to be to the forefront of of the evolution of of sport and to the uh, equality in sport as well. I mean, you're the second female president we've had, and and back to back female presidents, and that I think says a lot about the approach to sports governance and sports in New Zealand in the last probably what five six years. Uh, it's really gone forward at a rapid rate of knots, hasn't it? Oh, it absolutely has, and and all for the right reasons as well. It's not just um, tokenism. I, I, you know, I actually really hate myself for even saying that word. But you know, we are half the population, mm. and you know, the fact that people want to play whatever sport they choose, and they get the same opportunities to be the best that they can be. I mean, that's that's the mantra that I've always operated under, and it's just so wonderful to see it happening for so many different sporting codes and. 
you know, why shouldn't that happen? You know, you have a, a couple of children yourself, a boy and a girl, you want them to have the same opportunities. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, we we saw the women's cricket World Cup, which obviously obviously didn't go exactly how we wanted it on the field or off the field with the COVID restrictions and things, and not being able to fill the stadiums. But it has been the first of a of a number of uh, tournaments that we've had here hosted in New Zealand. The Rugby World Cup currently going on next year. We've got the you know the FIFA Women's World Cup co-hosted uh, with Australia. Tickets are selling uh, in. Like huge numbers, I think. Uh, you know, for the US Netherlands game in the FIFA World Cup in Wellington, that's already sold out. Sold out in half an hour. Uh, I mean, we're seeing unprecedented interest in women's sport. Yeah, because people appreciate. You know, it's a different game from what the men play. You know, going back to the women's cricket World Cup, I just think it was amazing that Andrea Nelson and her team got that up and running on behalf of the ICC in New Zealand. And I think if you looked at the New Zealand cricket box, you would see that it, it did make a profit, which is amazing. And the fact is, while it was through COVID, even the final, we were able to have a full house in at Hagley Oval. And I think that, again, speaks volumes for what what was able to happen in those really extraordinary times. And then the viewing figures came out and, and the digital figures came out for that Women's Cricket World Cup and they were massive. It was something like 1.6 billion digital views, which is huge. The viewing figures were amazing, millions of those. And all in a time frame, given that we're at the bottom of the world, and you know, which would not make it always enticing to watch, but clearly you know, the, the um, power of India and what that has for the game, and not just the women's game, but um, you know what it means to cricket overall globally. It, it's massive, but I think you know it's indicative that people will watch a women's sporting match for and, and appreciate the skills that are on show for what they are, and not not compare them. And they don't need to be compared, but but it is attractive viewing, very attractive viewing. Yeah. And look, the other thing is about the presidency. I'm not just there for the women's cricket side of things. I'm just so stoked to be there looking at the Black Caps, looking at the White Ferns. You know, our domestic program is, um, I think, is going gangbusters, really, in the, the major associations. The Hawke Cup, you know, for uh, district associations, it's, uh, it, you know, keenly fought. I think it's just gone from Hawke's Bay and it's down in, with Canterbury Country at the moment, but like the, the Ramfurly Shield. So there's so many components, as there is in any sport, but, you know, it's... You know, you've got to keep working at it. And as I mentioned just a, a few minutes ago, the, the grassroots is dear to my heart. What would you like your uh, your legacy to be from your presidency of New Zealand's cricket? What are, what are you looking at and going, oh, this is where I really want to make a difference? Well, I think that we, we need to ensure that club land is secure for the future. And I would like to think that, you know, we can give resources to that and, and New Zealand cricket has done that for this coming season and we just continue to grow the game and give young people an opportunity to experience it, have fun, really enjoy it and come back for more. And, you know, it, it's simple, but, you know, it's not without its challenges, but that's what I would like to see more young people get involved in the sport just for because it's a healthy thing to do more than anything else. And then they'll get hooked like me and they'll love it for life. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, with the new gen or the, the, the current generation, the younger generation that you want to engage, obviously, you know, different distractions, lots more sports than, say, when you and I were younger growing up, you know, that was it was very much two or three sports, but now uh, there's all sorts plus digital devices, all sorts of things going on. How much do you think the game needs to change 
at that club level in terms of what's on offer to attract those younger people to be involved? Well, look, I think it is changing and people are being reactive to what the needs are for young people. You look at the um, the, the brand new Smash Play, which is actually being rolled out for years um, five to seven at the moment that will progress through to the next age group and then into schools. And that's a big area. We all know, you know, for the health of the nation that we need to get into the schools and stop that decline of physical activity. And and I think that um, clubs have been very good at introducing the, the shorter form of the game and offering it during the week as well. And the business house tournaments, the ethnicities that are playing the game now is just fantastic. We, we all know, you know, the subcontinent's um, passion for the game. And it's recognising that and offering um, different ways of playing it on different days. And I think that, that Clubland is adjusting to that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a it's a needs must, but it's good to see that they're they're embracing it and and looking and at engaging people on their level and and with the amount of you know time management and things that people have these days as well. I think that needs to be taken into account. And so speaking of time management, Leslie, with with your new job as the president of New Zealand Cricket, how's that going to impa- impact on your commentary gigs? Well, you know, I'll, I'll just um, see what the requirements are and just work around it like anyone else. And look, you know. Playing sport is, you know, it's a, well, it certainly captured me. And, and from a healthy perspective, I just think we have to give that message out there that, you know, while people have got time constraints, in the end, if you're a volunteer and you're, you're administ- helping administer a club or you're taking a junior team, I mean, there's nothing better than, than feeling that. Um, I know whenever I've coached little people in their teams, you, you just get such a good feeling in, in doing it. And it's not a hard thing rather than, you know, sitting around home or, you know, moping about and thinking, you know, what about the inflation? Well, you know, I think we live in a really good country. We're very lucky with what we've got, and we should just get out and enjoy the opportunities that we have. <laughs> That's my sermon for this morning. No, oh, I like it. I like it, Leslie. It's a great sermon. Hey, I don't know if you got the opportunity to uh, to read it, but I'm keen to get your thoughts on it. Guy Havelt, uh, who we have on as a guest uh, once a week uh, on our panel to, to talk different topics, wrote a great piece for uh, TV1 News in which he talked about this T20 World Cup, and much like myself, T20 is not his favourite form of the game, uh, but the way that this T20 World Cup has gone has made him feel like, you know, maybe this is the first nail in the coffin of ODI cricket. In terms of supporting three formats with the amount of cricket that is played, do you think he might be onto something there? I'm not sure about that. And, and, and differing between the men's and the women's um, future tours programme, where the men's is pretty chocker, let's not forget that, and, and they you know, with the emergence of those T20 leagues as well. But I think, especially in the women's game, I don't think 50-over cricket will, will um, decline in that respect. But, you know, that that's sort of out of my league in terms of decision-making. I've always had a soft spot for the 50-over game because I think it's a nice segue from the longer form, which people love as well, into the T20, which is, you know, like your instant gratification, if you like. And I just think that... ODI's 50 overs gives you that ability if you're a batter to um, put an innings together you know that it requires if you're bowling or the captain you know field placings all those kind of things I wouldn't like to see it go but you know that in the end there'll be commercial decisions around that but that, that won't be for me to make those decisions. No I appreciate your time Leslie thanks very much for you, yeah. for giving us your thoughts and giving us your time and uh, congratulations once again on the presidency and uh, wish you all the best with it. 
Um, well, Ricardo, thank you. And I just want to say um, to the Black Ferns, all the very best against England on Saturday. You know, our eyes will all be glued. Indeed they will. And there's nothing better than beating the Poms, is there, Leslie? It's um, it's a nice feeling to, to win a World Cup, that's for sure. Yeah, indeed. Good stuff. Thank you very much. Go well. Okay, thank you, bye. Cheers, bye. It is 14 away from 10 here on SENZ. Nine away from 10 here on SENZ. Mornings with Ian Smith. Uh, a few texts coming through on double eight double three, the Temper Bed Post text machine. Morning, Ricardo. We were never in last night's game. It smacked of a lack of respect for the opposition's bowling and fielding quality. Another if-only performance, unfortunately. Thought we had a team to win it. Cheers, Brian. Yeah, I, I mean, I... I don't agree that it was a lack of respect. I think we just didn't turn up, and I don't think that it was anything to do with respect. I think some, it just didn't, it just didn't click, just didn't happen. Um, didn't field well, didn't bowl well, didn't bat well, and yeah, the toss. I mean, won the toss, uh, but batting first. I mean, I know we batted first there against the Aussies and won, but really, I mean, chasing has always been our game. I don't know why we didn't do that. So, yeah, there's, there's a few questions there. And Smithy is in after 11. We'll ask him. And after 10, we're going to open the phone lines as well, 0800 150 And we'll have some talk back time and your chance to get your views across as well. And a reminder that the quarter of the month could win an Oklahoma Joe's Blackjack Charcoal Kettle Grill, thanks to Ava Living as well. Uh, so keep those texts rolling through. Uh, Jason in Victoria. Ricardo, it makes me wonder what makes the Black Caps stumble when it counts most? Well, I mean, you know, you're not wrong. How many World Cup semi-finals and finals have we lost now? It's been a few. It's been a few. So, you know, is it a mental skills thing? Is it a pressure thing? Uh, those, are, those are questions that we need to ask. I mean, did ask them a while ago about the inability to beat Australia in Australia, particularly after that Chapel Hadley series. Uh, but then we did beat them at this opening of the T20 World Cup, but I mean, as we've seen, this Australian team has uh, got a lot of a lot of work-ons, and uh, they certainly, I know, see Ian Healy has absolutely crucified uh, the team in the press over there, particularly Glenn Maxwell. So, be interesting to see where they go next, and if that means there's going to be a change in the coaching setup with the Australians as well. Keep the text coming through though. Double eight, double three. When we come back, we'll have our TAB multi of the day for you. Yeah, let's have a look at the uh, multi for today. We're going to start with the cricket tonight because I think uh, that India will have too much in Adelaide against England. Uh, so I'm picking it going to be an England-Pakistan final. Uh, sorry, an India-Pakistan final in the Cricket World Cup. India paying a dollar seventy-eight head to head. Going to go to the NBA for leg two. Portland Trailblazers won seven of the last ten. They're up against the Charlotte Hornets team, who. Uh, Pretty much suck. Uh, so they're paying a dollar fifty nine. That's in Portland, and then Madison Keys of the Billy Jean Cup uh, to win against Michelle Lynette at a dollar forty seven. Put those three together, and uh, it's just a course as it always does. Updates the odds just as I go to say them. Uh, four twenty four now. Four twenty four. It's just changed. So four twenty four is what you can get on that jump amongst and get on and uh, hopefully you can fill the beer fridge for the weekend. Your chance to jump on the phone 0800 150 811 0800 150 811 talk back time after the latest in news and sport with Aroha. Talk back time with Smithy. Call now 0800 150 811.
Yeah, pick up the phone and give us a call. 0800 150 811. Your opportunity to win an Oklahoma Joe's Blackjack Charcoal Kettle Grill. Thanks to Aber Living. Uh, that is our quarter of the month price here on SCNZ. Just be part of the program and you're in the draw. 0800 150 811. You can also text us through on Tempers, the Temper Bedpost text machine, double eight double three as well. Uh, we do have a couple of texts coming through that have come through. Uh, no name on this one, but we're formulaic and terribly predictable. Time for a new coach and captain. Uh, I assume I assume that that is uh, talking about the Black Caps. Uh, another one, hi Ricardo. Another choke job by the Black Caps, a team that consistently makes the semis, uh, but nothing to show for it. That one from Vaughan. Thanks for your text. Keep them coming through. Double eight double three is a text line. Temper and bedpost, a range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body, so you can put your head and feet up in comfort, or even better. Give us a call, 0800 150 811, 0800-150-811 and put yourself in the draw uh, as a caller of the month candidate for that Oklahoma Joe's Blackjack Charcoal Kettle Grill, thanks to Aber Living. Uh, Cliff is with us. Cliff, uh, how did you react after what happened last night in Sydney? Well, I, I watched the first innings and I, I didn't never thought we had enough. I mean, I, I rang the other day and said that if we're going to bat first, we need to replace a hitter with a hitter. If we lose an early wicket and it's the young guy, we have to replace him with somebody who can keep the go. problem with Con- Conway is a, is a great player, and he's handy because he does has the gloves, so it gives us more options for batting. It means we can carry more batting at the end, more all-rounders. But if we're going to lose an early wicket and it's um, the young boy... There's no use Williamson coming in. He just, it's just too slow between the two of them. And, and you're not going to suddenly make uh, Conway become the slogger. He's not that sort of player. See, you know, if we lose an early wicket, we need to, we need to either bring Mitchell up to bat at three or, or um, Phillips. Phillips. I prefer, I prefer uh, Mitchell to bat at three. If we bat in first and we have to set a target, we lose our hitter first. That Mitchell comes up and over and becomes the three, and we've got so we've got a, a hitter at one end. Problem with having t- two guys that are collectors that we're only scoring singles most of the time. We hardly got a boundary in the first eight or nine overs. It was just too slow. We, you can't you've got to die wondering in a in a twenty twenty game if you can't if you're only going to be four down, and and you've only got one hundred and fifty runs. It's just not enough. It's just crazy to go out and bat like that. We had to get 175 to win that game. Yeah, I agree with you. I think we needed more runs. Uh, Kane, uh, you know, put in a decent dig, but once again, it was only a strike rate. It was only around 100. It needs to be better than that. Same with Conway's. You can't have two of those guys uh, taking up as much strike as we had um, and both just striking at roughly 100. So they, they need to do something about that. Uh, i keen to get your thoughts uh, also, Cliff, on the guys that are in this team uh, that we might not see again. Uh, I mean, Trent Bolt, I think you'd have to argue we might not see him uh, in a New Zealand shirt too much from here on. Um, but looking at their ages and stages of their career, I mean, Martin Guptill, he didn't, you know, only got on the field as a as a reserve fielder. Uh, Kane himself in this format, I, I, don't, I, I still wonder whether or not he's suited to it, the way that the game's evolved. And you could probably argue uh, that Tim Southey might be in a similar position as well, just given his age and, and having to manage how much cricket he plays now. Well, I think, you know, we definitely need to coach, a coach to coach the different sides. You know, to me, 
I think um, oh, I think who's the coach now at the moment? Uh, Gary Stead. Yeah, he's it's too many functions for him. He's just not the man to lead the one day, and he could stay as the test coach. But I think we need a new coach for the in the twenty twenty. We need a new captain. We need to get rid of Southie and, like you say, Southie and Bolt are not going to play much, especially Bolt, because he's going to go away and play other forms. We need to make it. We need to structure a, a 2020 side like England. Have completely different looking players. Maybe only one or two guys. Maybe the likes of Nisham if he still, if he was still around next year. Um, possibly. Oh, well, you have Phillips. And maybe Mitchell, maybe even Mitchell could captain the 2020 side. He'd stay in the side with Phillips and Nisham and and maybe the quick bowler and you'd have the two spinners, Santner and them. But then you'd build the team around five or six young fellas, more players, you know, because our team is getting old. And our, but our 50-over team would stay pretty much the same as it is, but we might not have Bolt. And, but the problem is that, you know, the other sides are getting too, they're getting too much go on us. You know, like winning the toss and batting and then not really getting stuck in was always going to be a problem. 150 doesn't win your games. No, you're and right. It's a problem, but I think we need to look at the coach. We need a coach for the 2020. We need a completely refresh side and then offer the, off, say to Williamson, well, you don't play 2020 anymore. You're the captain of the test side. You can play 50 over cricket. You and Conway and, and Mitchell will build a team around you guys and and we'll try and work a, have a good bowling lineup in our test and one day sides. There's plenty of guys that have played twenty twenty cricket. We had two teams running at one stage there. Um, but see none of those guys. We've played the same five bowlers in every game and the they bowl pretty well. The spinners have both done well. Problem is we haven't been able to get early wickets with Bolt and Saudi in the last couple of games against England they didn't get early wickets really and in this game they didn't either no. and that was the difference <laughs> that the ball those wickets haven't got enough in them you know Pakistanis were bowling with an old ball they looked like they'd been thrown along the ground just to roughen it up and to kill it and then they were bowling Yorkers all the time and, and we were struggling to get the, get it off the track all we were getting is singles down to the sort of widest mid on trying to get a second run, but that was it. Yeah, no, I agree with you, mate. I think it needs a different approach. I think it needs a different approach. I think, as I said, the game has evolved, I think, past Kane Williamson as a player. Maybe it's evolved past Gary Stead as a coach as well. Well, I think the guy that needs to go is David White. We need a fresh CEO. He's been in the team for about 15, 16 years now, which is far too long. We need a new guy, maybe someone like Stephen Fleming or Bruce Edgar. Bruce Edgar, to me, was the guy that should have got that job years ago. But they need a fresh management at the top, fresh coaches in certain parts of the team. I don't know about Stead. I, I just think he's had his time too. Stephen Fleming and, and Vittori, Bond. There's lots of guys out there, even Kyle Mills. There's, there's four or five really good players. If we're going to get our pockets and want to win games, we've got to get our wallet out and pay some guys decent money to stay in the, you know, with, the, with the Black Caps. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Thanks for your call, Cliff. Uh, 0800-150-811 is our number. 0800-150-811. Brad from Dunedin is with us. G'day, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, Rick. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you, mate. Good. What do you want to talk? Um, yeah, well, Williamson's basically set in concrete that he's got to go. Um, 
like at least 10 occasions last night, he walked a single where there's clearly two on. Um, you can see Conway, Mitchell, Phillips like running that first one hard and then getting like a third of the way down the track and Williamson still labouring to the non-strikers end. Mm. And that, look, what, 10, 20 runs we, extra we could have had. And in T20 cricket, a single's a win for the bowler. So, And the fielders were sort of 10 metres off the boundary and we didn't even look interested to try to hit over them. No, I, I mean, I, th- um, I, I think there were there, there was a few things going on. I mean, I, to me, it looked like maybe the occasion got to us. I don't know, um, or, or the expectation, or maybe it was the mental block. I don't know, but it was, you know, we didn't we didn't perform well with the bat when we should have, and then we probably had our worst performance in the field. I thought we were terrible in the field. Devin Cormo was terrible with the gloves. Um, you know, I think if you're I'd be interested to take get Smithy's take after eleven, being a wicketkeeper, do we need to go back to a specialist for the big games in in, in this in this uh, sort of format? Um, the fielding was was ordinary as well. I mean, we just didn't turn up anywhere. Yeah, well, there's that drop catch and that first over one there, and mm-hmm. that really set the tone. So yeah, we were just completely outthought by Pakistan. Like they were getting reverse swing after what, 12, 13 overs? Yeah. Um, just throwing the, like, ideal tactics from them, really, like throwing the ball across the deck, really playing to the conditions. Um, I sort of thought before, like, you win the toss and win the game, but when I found out on the toss batted on used deck, I thought, oh, shit, here we go. Yeah, well, that's another thing, too, actually. I, I thought, and, I, you know, this it, it's your, your showpiece of your World Cup, right? Showpiece of your World Cup. And what do people want to see when it comes to T20 cricket? They want to see sixes. They want to see hits. And both semifinals are being played on used decks um, where the ball is yeah. going to be lower and a bit slower coming on. I mean, I mean, if you were a conspiracy theorist, you might suggest that the ICC wanted Pakistan and India in the final. Yeah, well, that's exactly what I was going to say. Um, wonder how much has gone in the back pocket there, in Pakistan and India. But, um, I, I, I would, I, I'm not going to say anything on that, Brad. I'll, I'll leave you. I'll leave you to have that platform. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, bit of a grey area, really. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's about it. I think complete changeover. Basically, what the Aussies are going to do, really. Mm. Yeah, I mean, not making it out of their own World Cup, so heads have got to roll. I'd say. Yeah. No, I think that's fair, mate. I think that's fair. Good stuff. Thanks for your call, man. Cheers, Rick. Cheers. Thanks, Brad. Uh, Scott from Wellington. Uh, come in, Scott. How you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks, Ricardo. How you going? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Good. Uh, you, you wanting to talk the cricket as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, complete disaster of a sporting day yesterday for myself. So um, I'm glad it's a new day. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was disappointing that we just didn't turn up. Um, I, I think Pakistan have, have got to be given credit. Their fielding mm. was exceptional. Um, obviously, doing what we normally do in the field, um, and, and just you know, as the other callers have said, um, you know, we, we just didn't we just didn't get going. And I mean, to be only four wickets down at the end of twenty overs with only hundred and fifty odd on the board, um, it, it should just shouldn't happen. We just didn't launch. We didn't get going. Um, you know, Kane. He, if he wants to be there, he's got to be a floater, um, you know. He's and he's got to accept that because I think the problem is he's he wants to play T20, he wants to play IPL, so he's he's not gonna he's not gonna walk away from playing from for New Zealand because he wants that contract over in in India with that. 
Um, but he, he's just got to be prepared to float. And, and obviously, if it's um, if it's Finn Allen who gets out, then you know it has to be either Phillips or, or Mitchell that comes in after that. And, and I think the other thing that didn't help yesterday as well was um, Finn Allen seemed to get overawed by the occasion. I mean, playing, getting caught by the same delivery two times in a row. Yeah. Um, you know, he had hit the boundary. He should have just been looking to get a single, get himself off strike, and, and you know, move on towards the next over. But he, he just, you could just see he, I, I hadn't seen it before, but it was almost like he was almost twitching a little bit there. Um, and, and I think it was just the crowd getting to him a bit, and he was trying to silence them. And, you know, unfortunately, he got caught with the same delivery twice. Yeah, he did. Now, fair call, Scott. Thanks for your call, mate. Uh, 16 past 10 here on SENZ. Uh, one last call. Uh, Zaid, how are you? Yeah, all right. Just so disappointing last night. We did all the hard work to get to the semi-final, and just again, we just can't win a World Cup. Um, and Pakistan seemed to have our number. They didn't even really deserve to get into the finals, but South Africa choked, so we had to play them, but yeah, just the batting start to finish is just crap. I reckon leaving Martin Gattaro the whole World Cup when he's one of your most experienced players is, is such a bad idea. Um, and I don't know why we had Jimmy Neesham and Daryl Mitchell in this team at the same time when they're both all rounders and neither of them bowled. It's just a waste of that's just a waste. That's a, not being man. That's just crap decision making. Why have you got both of them in the team? You only need one, you know. I don't know why you need both of them in the team, but yeah. And then just having um, Conway and Williamson out in the middle together, they're just too slow batting. I reckon that they should have bring in Phillips ahead of um, Williamson and see what happened. Um, you know, it's a World Cup semi-final. We need to change something up. But, yeah, it just, just seems like us in cricket, we just can't win any World Cups. And it's, yeah, it's the final after final now. Every time we get into the semi or we get into a final, we just can't win one. So... Hopefully the um, Black Ferns or the Kiwis can execute and be in uh, win or the Kiwis be in the final. But it seems a bit harsh as well about the Kiwis that the Rugby League have booked the Kiwis flights home after the Kangaroos and it's already bit them after Samoa knocked out Tonga. So I don't know how that system's working out for them too well. No, well, hopefully it bites them again, eh? Yeah, it's already cost them 10 grand apparently. So yeah, I, I hopefully we've, we've got a bit of forward pack in the Kangaroos, but they're They'll probably win, but we do have a better team, I reckon, with, you know, Nelson and Stoffer Solomona, you know, you've got um, uh, Big Fisher Harris, you've got Moses Leota, so there's such a good team. If um, Brandon Smith can get it right, Dylan Brown, Jerome Hughes, it's, it's a good team. Yeah, no, I agree with you, mate. Well, but they it's haven't a, clicked yet. No, they haven't, so. but uh, hopefully they've got all the mistakes out of the way in that quarterfinal, eh? Uh, good stuff, Zade. Thanks for your call. It's 18 past 10 here on SENZ. Everybody that calls through this month is in to win an Oklahoma Joe's Blackjack Charcoal Kettle Grill. Thanks to Aba Living. When we come back, it's time for the panel. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Time now for the panel. Lavina Good joins me. Good morning, Lavina. How are you? I knew you wouldn't be in Smith because I had to listen to him last night until about one o'clock in the morning. I've had hardly any sleep, and everyone I see really annoys me at the moment, Ricardo. So <laughs> I'm glad we're doing this call by radio, buddy. <laughs> exactly. I wouldn't yeah. want you to be annoyed with me, Lavina. Uh, Graham Beasley, I, I have a feeling yeah. you'll be much the same, mate. 
very much the same, actually. <laughs> Good morning, all. Good morning. Uh, now, a few things. We've just been doing uh, t- doing a bit of talkback, getting a few calls on. Uh, a lot of uh, talk around we need a new coach, we need a new captain. Kane, uh, can, you can't. You can't play in this format of the game anymore. Striking at a hundred, if you're going to bat that many uh, that many balls, uh, steady's too steady and and not ad- aggressive enough for the format. Um, and then you know some selection issues potentially as well. Graham, what do you what do you say to those things? Yeah, I was hearing a bit of that talk back. I don't think the sky's falling in quite as much as some of the callers are indicating. Um, and and I think if if you think back three weeks at the start of this tournament. If you said we'd get eliminated at the semi-final stage and we'd put Australia out, um, I think most New Zealand cricket fans would have actually been okay with that. But obviously, when you get to the knockout phase, you obviously want to win every game, etc. Um, but we just have to admit that Pakistan are a really good side. And for someone like Finn Allen, who I think has been a massive addition to the side, he's really um, given them that, that extra option. But he wouldn't have faced an opening over like the over he faced last night. I mean, you know, Shahid was getting it to move a lot. Um, and when, it, when Alan's playing in the, um, um, in the Super Smash here, you know, he, he just isn't facing that, that, that type of bowling. So um, I think for the younger people, and maybe you could say the same for Phillips as well, it was just sort of um, uh, at a level that they probably hadn't really played before. Mm. Um, regarding the coaching, I actually think it probably would, would be a good idea if we'd gone a different pace for T20. Um, most countries around the world are doing that, um, and I think it would actually help Stead to, uh, uh, to concentrate on the game. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, Lavina, what about you, mate? I mean, you know, one of the th- uh, comments that we've had as well, you know, that it's been a waste not having Guptal there, so experienced. Um, you know, Finn Allen, as Graham mentioned, you know, he got a four off the first ball, then, you know, sort of basically got out to the same ball twice in a row where he should have maybe just looked for one and, you know, rotated the strike a bit. Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't too disappointed with the selection of Finn, Finn Allen, to be fair. I was kind of glad he was there. He brings a bit of spice to the side. It's just such an interesting game, this 20, 20 over cricket. And um, I know lots of people are coming out and talking about Kane Williamson, like he's a totting boy. I've, I've always got his back. But when I saw him kind of smiling in the field, in you know, when the Kiwis came out to um, to field, I thought there's something not right at the moment. And they just didn't didn't take advantage of the power play. And that's what the Pakistani team did do. Um, the Bar Azam, I mean, he was outstanding as a captain, but it was just, you know, a couple of months ago that everyone was saying that he's not good enough and he's choking and, he's, and he shouldn't be having that that role or that position. So I think it was, the writing was on the wall early in that first six overs. If you've only got two players outside the circle, then you've got to hit those boundaries. And the Black Caps just put themselves under too much pressure to do that. So I, I reckon it was a lacklustre performance from them. I love the win against Australia. That, that was outstanding. And I guess that, you know, gave all the cricketing fans their hopes, kept them alive, thought that they could go all the way, but they'll just have to wait for another tournament. I'm not a massive fan of the 20-over cricket game. I, I've always com- compared it to, to baseball. I, I love test cricket personally. And I would watch 50-over cricket over 20-over cricket any day of the week. But it was very evident yesterday, like in that first stage for the Black Caps, that they weren't part of this process and they were outclassed in just about every aspect of the game of the 20-over the match, that's for sure. Yeah, no, I, I don't think I disagree with too, uh, too much with anything you've said there, Lavina. The, the other thing, Graham, is, um, and I'll float this carefully, but it's the semi-finals of a World Cup. It is your showpiece 
And people watch T20 because they want big hitting. Yet both semi-finals are played on second-hand pitches. Does that say something about who the ICC want to see in the final? I think the ICC would be quite happy if India wins the semi-final tonight. Um, I think they would think they've got their dream final, really. Um, and and that dream final would sell out. Um, yeah, you've got a point, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, maybe... I mean, I think the venues are reasonable. You know, you, you got the final in Melbourne, so you have your semis in Sydney and Adelaide, um, and that makes a lot of sense. But, yeah, maybe a new pitch could have been... Um, a bit fairer, you, you might argue. So, um, yeah, possibly possibly a bit of planning had gone into that. But I think also, if, if you look back at this tournament and our two losses against England and Pakistan, what they had in common is that we didn't get early wickets when it was swinging with Bolton Salvi. And I think we've become a bit reliant on that. I think a whole lot of our, um, our match strategy is based around getting those early wickets when it's swinging. Obviously, there was the drop catch last night, which didn't help. But... Um, I think yeah, it, it just goes to show how important Bolton Southie are to the um, to the overall performance. Mm, yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Well, you know, it's funny too that you know we have a couple of really good proponents of swing bowling and Southie and and Bolt, but they couldn't get the ball swinging like the Pakistanis did, Lavina. No, they couldn't. And I was really relying on Southie at the end because I mean he's he's really outstanding at the end of an innings when he comes in, and I thought there's an opportunity here that maybe take a couple of extra wickets and really put some pressure on Pakistan, you know, in that last over to try and nullify any more runs. But they, they had difficulty swinging. Bolt certainly didn't have his best night with the ball in hand. Um, he was looking quite stressed, actually, because he couldn't get any, any swing and, and absolutely frustrated. But the openers were just outstanding for Pakistan, and they saw it like a watermelon. I mean, they hit it so perfectly. And it, it didn't matter where it was going or what the ball was doing. It Swing or no swing, bring on the spinners, it didn't matter. They just dominated proceedings. And cricket's so funny like that. Like, if you're in the zone and, and you're on fire and, and you can see the ball so much better and, and the timing is there, and, and the fans, I mean, it was 80% Pakistani fans to 20% New Zealand fans. And I think that was evident in terms of the support out there. And Pakistani, just those players just dominated proceedings from beginning to end and probably could have won by a lot more, to be fair. They, they deserved the victory, for sure. Yep, they did. I don't think we can go past that. They were excellent in the field, excellent with the ball, and, and they uh, managed the game with the bat very, very well. That has to be said. Uh, this is the panel on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. This is the panel, Lavina Good and Graham Beasley with us. And uh, Lavina, uh, I don't know if you're going to be able to get there, but a big weekend at Eden Park on Saturday. It's sold out, apparently. They found extra tickets. Those sold out in record time. Uh, the Black Ferns taking on England in the Women's Rugby World Cup final. We also have Canada versus France in the bronze medal match as well. How pumped are you for this? Amped. Absolutely, and there was a couple of times last night, actually, I thought I wished that the Black Caps weren't playing so lacklustre and might have taken a few pages out of the Black Ferns books, to be fair. Um, I followed the campaign and I'm so excited about, about this final. I mean, it's the two best women's teams in the world and to come up against each other. I think there's been four of the last five Women's World Cup finals have been between the Black Ferns and the England Roses. So there's plenty of rivalry there. There's so much to get excited about. Different styles of play. The Poms on a 30-game winning streak and relying heavily on their defence and their forwards. And then the Black Ferns are on the back of, you know, a disastrous European tour last year with a new coach and new players and trying to prove themselves at home. The one thing I think that will be really interesting, actually, Ricardo and Graham, is the fact that 
the Black Ferns, even even though that they've got this home advantage, I, I don't think you can underestimate just the power of Eden Park and what it can bring to that side. The England Roses, the biggest crowd they've ever played in front of is probably 15,000, 16,000 people. And I think when they come out to Eden Park and, and the Black Ferns have the support of thousands of people, a record crowd turning out, it really will make a difference to this final. But the, the tournament itself has been outstanding. I think the Black Ferns have done so well to come on the back of all those dramas and so many changes to make it this far. But there's a massive hurdle ahead of them, and they'll have to lift their game. They were lucky to get away with that, that game against France, and they know what they have to do. They're really content in their cultural space at the moment. They're playing for each other and it's such a spectacle between two of the best women's teams in the world and I'm just so glad everyone has decided to turn up to support them and if they're not there they'll be watching them and the heart of the nation will be out supporting the Black Ferns so I think they've got what it takes they certainly have the talent if they play their natural game of rugby we're certainly in with a chance for them to to win yet another title um, at the pinnacle of women's rugby. Yeah I think that's really well said Lavina and Graham that's the point though isn't it is whether or not England will allow the Black Ferns to play the way they want to play because their physicality and slowing the ball down and playing uh, you know rugby through 1 to 10 and not really anywhere else is very much their remit so uh, is Wayne Smith able to figure out a way to get these Black Ferns to be able to be able to play their game against the Poms? Certainly good that we played France last week because they were similar, probably not quite as physical as England, but but they they played that similar type of game. So at least we've now had that one game. I was worried before France that even though obviously in this whole story after what, what happened with the end of year tour last year and bringing in the new coaches and the redemption stuff, we still hadn't really played a really physical pack up against a physical pack. So I think having that experience from last week, I think they'll have learned from that. Um, Smith will have taken a lot of notes. Um, and so hopefully they can set them up better. The other really key thing for me is how the game starts. Because we saw, you know, and uh, uh, Lavina talked about uh, playing in front of the big crowd. And I think probably the Black Ferns froze a little bit um, in that opening game against Australia. They were 17 points down. And I think the occasion kind of got to them a little bit there. Um, so hopefully, again, they've, they've learned from that. Because I think if they get off to a good start, then they can get the crowd behind them. Um, and then it'll be very interesting to see how um, how the match pans out there. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the final game for um, uh, Kendra Coxie. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, so no more Kendra after that one. Um, interesting, I was talking to Nick Sautner from um, Eden Park. He's the CEO there. He said they're already in discussions to have the Black Ferns play uh, potentially England again next season at Eden Park. Yeah, it'd, be, right. it'd be interesting to see, you know, people get on board with a tournament and, you know, it's a World Cup title on the line, whether or not they get the same engagement next year if that happens. I think yeah, I think they will. I was just comparing when the All Blacks were playing against Japan and the, the um, Black Ferns were playing as well, how many people in the community said we're back in Wahini Tour. We want to make sure that we support them and get them across the line. So I think that the support network is there for them. And, um, I mean, it, it's a way to make more money. And as we know, sport is all about making money sometimes. But people have really black, backed the Black Ferns throughout this whole program, and not just because it's been here in New Zealand, but because what they've been through in the past. So to have England come back again would be... Outstanding, and I mean England have won. Like the Roses have won their last thirty matches. They're unbeaten. They're the number one team in the world. And if the Black Ferns can take them down at home, it, it's quite incredible. And on the other hand, 
if England can beat the Black Ferns on their home turf in front of a record crowd, that would make you a world champion of sorts, that you could never take that title away from, from you. So, yeah, I think the support is there. Um, the fans are there and they should probably try and feature it as much as possible as women's rugby starts to head to the top of the world, I reckon. Graham? Yep, um, absolutely agree. I mean, it'll actually be quite interesting. I mean, uh, if, if either team wins, it will actually be a great story. But if the Black Ferns were to get over England, then England would have that kind of all blacks from the mid-2000s feel about it, wouldn't they? You know, the best between World Cups. So... Um, it is a, there's a fair bit uh, riding on this, and I just think it'll be a brilliant occasion. Yeah, I agree. I'm looking forward to it. Of course, we've got another World Cup going on in the Northern Hemisphere at the moment, and tomorrow morning we see the Kiwi Ferns up against the, the Jillaroos. Uh, Lavina, I'm not sure who did this draw, but I reckon they must have been drunk because uh, the <laughs> the Kiwi Ferns and the Jillaroos are in one pool, while England, who I think are third-ranked, managed to draw Canada and Brazil somehow. Doesn't make sense, does it? Mm. I remember seeing the draw at the beginning of the tournament, thinking, how, how can you have this? You've got the defending champs, the Jillarool's about to play uh, the Kiwi Ferns, um, and it would be great to see those two in the final. They'll really have to improve their game. I heard your interview, Ricardo, earlier today with Georgia Hale, and I'm like, make that girl Prime Minister. I mean, she's such an incredible woman, and mm. she comes with so much mana and carries so much mana in, in that side, and they'll have to lift their performance from, from what they did against the Cook Islands, and I think they won 34-4 to or something like that, but it was still a pretty average performance from them, but they're, they're in a great place at the moment. Racine McGregor has been outstanding throughout the NRLW campaign, and she's such a leader in that side as well. So they're in with a good chance to maybe topple the defending champions, but that's the sort of match that you want to count down, not for a, a full play or a semi-final. That's the match that you want to count down to, to have these two incredible teams playing against each other in the final. It's so difficult for them on the other side of the world. I'm sure if the tables were turned and we had the Kiwi Ferns playing here and the Black Ferns playing on the other side of the world, the support network would certainly be there more for the Kiwi Ferns. But there's one way to win more fans over, and that is to take down an Australian rugby league side, whether or not it's Tane, the men, or Wahine, the women. Uh, the men are going to try and do their best to do it. But I certainly, listening to Georgia Howe before when you interviewed her, they're feeling confident, they're in a good space, not too many injuries, and they know what they have to do to beat the defending champions. It'll be a cracker of a match. I'm really looking forward to it. It should be a good one, shouldn't it, Graham? Especially with the core of that uh, New Zealand side uh, playing in the NRLW as well. Yeah, no, it should be really good. Um, I've got one question for Lavina, though. Um, where on earth did the name Jillaroos come from? Yeah, no, crazy, hey, mad, absolutely mad, yeah. <laughs> Trying to get the, the female kangaroo version, female kangaroo version in there. I mean, there's been some dodgy names in the past, but it just doesn't give them any justice, especially since they are the defending world champions and you just keep coming out with the Jillaroo. It's almost like, oh, let's just name them uh, a Jillaroo. <laughs> That'll yeah, do. it's like running and some, some competition in yeah, kind of, kind of like Boaty McBoatface winning or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's uh, flip it to the Kiwis Kangaroos then because we've got that game this weekend as well. Uh, those two meeting in a semi-final that feels very much like a final. Beginning of the tournament or leading into the tournament, we've got a lot of Aussie experts saying the Kiwis got a better pack, probably the best team at the tournament, uh, but they really haven't performed to their best as yet. Um, Graham, where do you think this sits and what do you expect to happen? 
Yeah, I don't know why it hasn't really clicked for them, because you're right. I mean, I think if, if you look at the two teams going to this match, on paper, the Kiwis should be very competitive. But if you look at the record so far in this tournament, I actually think it could be a little bit of an embarrassment. You know, so, so they really are going to have to have to take it up a notch or two or three, um, just be a bit more creative maybe, um, and, and just cut out those basic errors, because it just sort of seems to me as if the players are still meeting each other. It's like they've just got off the plane. Whereas, um, you know, and, and they've had quite a few games together now. You'd have expected uh, a bit more improvements. And boy, they um, they kept us interested in that game against Fiji, didn't they? Mm. Yeah, they did a lot of a lot of errors in that game against Fiji. Lavina, um, they certainly didn't impress. A lot of people said it was the best game of the tournament. I don't know about that because there were so many errors from the Kiwis. They certainly kept Fiji in it for a long period of time. Yeah, it was the Aussies saying it was the best game of the tournament because they, they reckon Fiji should have won, and I think they might be right. I thought mm. Fiji was the, the better side um, on the night. But the Kiwis were left. They, they have a very impressive forward pack. I was actually hoping Jared Warrior Hargraves would have been selected. I don't have any issue with Liotta. I think he is an outstanding player. But there's something about um, Jared, and when he plays against Australia, he, he lifts his game. And he used to be a real rat bag, Ricardo. Hey, like a decade ago, I was like, oh, he'll just get suspended over and over again. He's coming off. A suspension, but he the last few years with Roosters, he's he's really um, featured as a leadership player, a mature player, and and he likes to guide that pack forward. And I think if if the selection process could have been done again, they might regret not picking him to play against Australia in terms of just out muscling them, you know, not standing back and not making sure that the the Aussies can kind of creep forward. But I think when you look on paper, I agree I agree with Graham wholeheartedly. I, you would if you go points for and against when you're lining up plays against each other. The Kiwis certainly have a good chance, but they haven't gelled throughout the tournament so far. And unless we're expecting something magical, like from Benji Marshall in 2008, which still remains in, in my mind, uh, one of the greatest World Cup final victories ever, I think they'll have to find something very, very special indeed to defeat this Australian side that has been very well drilled by Mal Meninga. And Meninga hasn't been shy in making his own changes and introducing some new players. I see he's brought Ben Hunt back into the, the frame to take on the Kiwis. But I feel as though when you look at the performance of the tournament so far between the Kangaroos and the Kiwis, the Kangaroos have by far been the better side, but unchallenged so far. They have not come up against a challenging side. And the Kiwis proved that they could take down a Fijian side that were desperate for a victory. And they've been more challenged than the Kangaroos. So it'll be another cracker. I'm looking forward to it. But at this stage, judging from the performances, I think it is the Australian side that is looking like it will dominate throughout that semi-final. Good stuff, guys. Thanks very much for your time on the panel today. Have a great weekend. Enjoy all the sport that is on show. Great Thank stuff. You Thanks for having me. Look forward to it. Cheers. It is quarter to 11 here on SENZ. This is a Mornings with Ian Smith. It's Harness Racing New Zealand, Pacing for Purpose, Season 2. Yeah, live the dream. Get involved in Harness Racing today, NZ Harness Racing. Visit hrnz.co.nz. Of course, uh, with Pacing for Purpose, we put a bet on every week and any money won goes to the Women's Refuge. That is our charity of choice here. I can tell you, these are the totals raised at the moment for Pacing for uh, with Purpose for this season. Breakfast have raised 225 Mornings, the show, $437.50. Afternoons, $120. Uh, 
and Drive leading the way, 587.50 at the moment. Um, but here is a pick for today. It is at uh, Ashburton, actually, race six at Ashburton. Vincent Vega doing a great job of late, has good gate speed, um, should be pretty handy. It's not the favourite, but it can win. I was just having a look. It's had two seconds and a third in its last three starts. Paying $10 for the win, three for the place. That is Vincent Vega driven uh, by Terry Chimile. Um, There you go. That is our uh, pacing for purpose tip for the day. Ashburton Race 6, number 6, Vincent Vega. And make sure you join Mick and Greg every Sunday from 11 for coverage of all the harness racing action from across New Zealand. Trots Talk, all thanks to the great New Zealanders at Harness Racing New Zealand. Just trying to track down uh, a very dusty Louis Herman Watt at the moment for our uh, Love Racing update. I, I know he had a big day yesterday, probably a bigger night last night. Um, I'm not sure how he got through the breakfast show, actually, Brian, to be fair. Um, but uh, the fact that he turned up is credit to him. Yeah, you know, I was surprised to hear him this morning when I flicked the radio on on my way to work. Um, but, I mean, he's loving being home. I produced the show on Tuesday, mm. the uh, Cup Day, and he just, just the, the pride that that boy has in his home province and what they're doing right now is it's uh, it's it's insane. It's awesome. It's awesome to see. Yeah, very good. Uh, listen, I don't know if we're going to get him, actually, and we do need to get uh, a TAB chat away, but... Uh, if you uh, if you want to be part of uh, the Quaddy Crush, uh, thanks to the TAB uh, and SENZ, you can and you could win. It's a $50,000 SENZ Quaddy Crush um, to celebrate the Grand Tour with our partners TAB New Zealand. SENZ are creating the biggest ever Quaddy tipping series and you can be a part of it. We're looking for the first 300 punters to sign up with a $100 TAB New Zealand stake and then SENZ and TAB will uh, top it up by 10k each. That should give us 50 50K in the kitty, and then SENZ Racing Expert Louis Herman Watt will be placing the quaddies on behalf of the Quaddy Crush team right across the Grand Tour recent se- uh, event series. And at the end, all 300 Quaddy Crush participants will share the final pool. Quaddy Crush places are filling fast, so if you want to get in, it's your last chance now to get in and sign up. All you got to do is head to senzradio.nz slash win. Okay, so go to senzradio.nz, look for the win tab. Click on that and sign up and you could be part of that huge $50,000 Quaddy Crush pool. Keep listening to SENZ for Quaddy Crush updates as well. And I uh, can't get Pip by the looks of it, so uh, no TAB update either. But I can tell you, um, you can bet live on your favourite sports. Just download that TAB app today. There's a lot of racing action this afternoon and uh, tell you, there's, a, there's a few upsets going on in the football this morning and uh, the League Cup, English League Cup is on. Arsenal have been beaten at home 3-1 by Brighton. So Brighton are through, Arsenal are out and their uh, North London rivals, Tottenham Hotspur, are also out. They lost 2-0 to Nottingham Forest, so both teams are out at the first hurdle for them. Uh, elsewhere, Newcastle have gone through on penalties against Crystal Palace. Southampton have gone through on penalties against Sheffield Wednesday. West Ham have gone out on penalties to Blackburn Rovers. Wolves won 1-0 at Leeds. And currently, it's penalties between Liverpool and Derby County. Um, sorry, currently Liverpool lead by a goal to nil. Uh, sorry, Derby County lead by a goal to nil in the penalty shootout. Elsewhere, Man City have beaten Chelsea 
by 2-0 as well. There's more games on tomorrow morning. You can watch and bet live on your favourite sports and racing at tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. R18. Ian Smith is going to join us after the latest in news and sport from Aroha Hathaway. Bowls to Masood. One run to go. Masood drives. He beats Southie and the deed is done. Pakistan is going back to a World Cup final at the MCG. It has been a commanding chase and it's a mighty win. Pakistan by seven wickets. Yeah, Pakistan getting through to the final of the T20 World Cup last night at the expense of the Black Caps. Joining us to talk about that is uh, the Doyen himself, Ian Smith. G'day, Smithy. How are you doing? Well, Ricardo, I've woken up this morning and the result hasn't changed. It was um, a bit demoralising, I've got to say. So, yeah, um, all those expectations uh, of a team that was being, was playing pretty well um, came to nothing. Uh, there was They were pretty meek in the end, I think. Mm. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. They they didn't really execute anything well, did they? They they fielded poorly. Um, they didn't bowl well. They they didn't bat as well as we know they can. Uh, the only thing that went right was the toss, and even then, I think they chose the wrong option, didn't they? I was really surprised they chose to bat first. Well, they chose to bat first on the basis that they batted first against Australia there and racked up two hundred. But it wasn't it wasn't the same pitch. It was the same. It was the same strip of uh, dirt, but uh, it had changed character uh, since two weeks ago. Um, it was a very mosaic-like looking pitch, and it, it, no one quite knew how it was going to play or how it was going to last. Um, so uh, he, he took that option knowing that uh, he probably thought that if we could get 160, 170 at least, runs on the board would be a massive factor. But of course, you need a start to do that. And uh, what was about third ball when we lost Finnell, and it, it sort of started from there. It was just, it was a pretty, a pretty tame batting performance. Uh, you know, I, I think when you get to a, a, a semi-final, a one-off match, you've got to play with a lot less fear than we seem to play with. We're very cautious, um, and you um, know, in the end, it, it just simply wasn't, a, it just wasn't a good enough performance for the bat to. to to put enough pressure on Pakistan uh, uh, towards the end of the match, it was it was it was disappointing because we'd played we'd played pretty good cricket up until this point. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this uh, with talk back today. We talked about it yesterday as well. A lot of people suggesting, you know, it's a young man's game, the T20 game. It's a, it, it really is a, a young man's version of the game. Um, and, you know, you mentioned there the conservatism that we've shown. There's a few people suggesting that, you know, Kane uh, shouldn't play T20s anymore and maybe we need a, a different coach for T20s as well, that steady is too steady. Yeah, I think there's merit in that, and they will review it. Um, you know, it's not like we got barreled out like South Africa. It's not like we got uh, didn't even make it that far like the West Indies. It's, you know, we we did get to the last four, so uh, if you, if it's not an abject failure from that point of view, but you're right. I think you've got to keep your your mind open. Um, you know, they will look at they have to look at that kind of it, and I I do look at the coaching aspect of it, and I. I do think that fresh ideas, um, fresh motivation uh, are big factors there, fresh selections. And and for that reason, I think um, we're one of the few countries where our coach does coach all three forms of the game and our captain does captain all three forms of the game. So we, we need to review that. We need to look at it. Um, it might be the decision that that is the status quo and it continues, but it's certainly worth a lot of monitoring. Um, and... and 
You're right. It's a, it's a young man's game because young men play without fear. Young men uh, play without fear of failure. They just go out there and they just give it, you know, everything that they've got without any sort of form of caution. Uh, batsmen who, who who play, you know, they run the risk of getting out, but they also run the opportunity of hitting fours and sixes and not just looking for ones in terms of their mindset. So we, we do have to address that. You know, we're not a poor team. Uh, we haven't made it this far by being a poor team. But we do need to keep building and keep rethinking. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, something that was talked about by a lot of people was, uh, we, you know, we had uh, Shane Jurgensen on yesterday and I asked him the question, which he didn't really answer, but was about the, uh, you know, being flexible with our batting lineup. You know, I mean, if, if you've got Finn Allen and Devin Conway opening and Finn Allen goes out, you bring Glenn Phillips or Daryl Mitchell in because you want another hitter with a with a, a guy who's a gatherer. You don't bring Kane in because then you have two gatherers. And, you know, in that power play, we had two guys who were happy to milk singles and weren't really hitting the boundaries. Yeah, good observation. Very good observation. Um, and, of course, you know, uh, Finn Allen was out, uh, once Finn Allen was out, Conway got out trying to pinch a single. I mean, uh, you know, that, is, that seems to be the mindset to, <clears throat> for Kane to build into an innings, uh, for Devin Conway to build into an innings and, and bat for, uh, you know, uh, the duration of that innings. I mean, you only have to look at the way Kane gets out and his disappointment at getting out. I mean, 46 from 41 deliveries is fine when you're chasing 120 or 130 uh, because you, you can control the game from that point of view. But when you're setting up, again, you know, he, he, we, we thought that he might have fired into life after that performance against Ireland, which was uh, slow to begin with, but uh, increased in its velocity and ended up being a very valuable innings against Ireland. But that is Ireland. It's not uh, the pace of Pakistan. It's not the, you know, the, the strength of uh, the Pakistan bowling attack. So it needed something a little, a little bit more threatening than that. Um, and, uh, of course, you're asking a lot of people uh, to uh, come out uh, and, and score fours and sixes to get the momentum going right from the get-go against an attack like that. We just couldn't do it. Um, and we needed 170 last night, uh, even on that pitch surface. We needed 170, 180 because we didn't have, any, uh, didn't have the opportunity at any point to uh, exert scoreboard pressure on them. They were never under any threat to get that total because, one, we couldn't get anyone out initially, and two, uh, of course, uh, the asking rate was just simply not high enough when you consider they were picking up boundaries at a rate that we couldn't even imagine. Mm, yeah, I mean, and I think that's something else that we, we should do, um, Smithy, is acknowledge how well Pakistan played. They were absolutely on fire on in the field. It was one of the best fielding performances I've ever seen, I think, uh, through that 20 overs. They were brilliant. They were great with the ball, and then they, they managed the game very well with the bat. I mean, I, the only surprise really is that it went to the last over. Well, it was, yeah. And, and, you know, when you've got accomplished batsmen still at the crease, I mean, if you've got tail enders there and you, you need 16 off two or whatever, you start to think, well, we've got a chance here because that's panic and we're not used to winning games like that. But when you've got accomplished batsmen out there um, and punishing batsmen, this Muhammad Harris is a revelation for them. He had so, so much to their, uh, their batting lineup with his flair and, and, and his lack of fear um, that, uh, you know, he, he's been one of the reasons they've turned it around Pakistan. Oh, look, their bowling attack is absolutely superb. It really is. They've got all bases covered. The Shaheen Shah Freedy is something very, very special. He's a giant of a man. He bowls very quick, but very accurate. And, and they also get the ball somehow to reverse swing, uh, even in a 20-over situation. They get the ball to move. 
quite late that uh, other sides aren't able to do. They're, they're masters of that. Uh, look, oh, I, I think I said right from uh, the time that uh, they got back in through the back door after the Netherlands uh, knocked over South Africa, I said I thought that they would be a really dangerous contender. It was the one team that we really did not want to have to play. I'd much rather have played South Africa uh, in the semi-final because I, I, I don't think that, um, that South Africa have that X factor that Pakistan have. And now that they've got the flow, you saw the jubilation they had in the dugout, the confidence that exudes from them now. Uh, whoever they play, India or Pakistan, they've got their hands. Uh, India or uh, England, I should say, they've got their hands very, very full. Yeah, something else, Smithy, that I'm keen to get your thoughts on. I mean, you know, from a, um, an ICC point of view, this is the T20 World Cup, right? So it's your showpiece. And what do people want to see in T20? They want to see sixes, right? They want to see runs. They want to see big hits. So I do question a little bit uh, the pitches they decided to play on. It's a it's a used pitch in Adelaide. It's a u- It was a used pitch last night. I mean, if you were a cynic, you might suggest that was because the ICC wanted a Pakistan-India final. You might, but I don't think they've got that kind of control, particularly here in Australia. I wouldn't think they have. Um, you know, ideally, numbers-wise, and that's what uh, you know, ratings are all about and television revenue, etc., India-Pakistan final is a dream. It's an absolute dream for the world of cricket and to a larger extent. Not a dream for us, not a dream for England. But it is a dream that, um, you know, the, the ICC, the BCCI, the PCB um, could only imagine. It was never going to happen uh, five days ago, but now it's a distinct possibility. They will sell out the MCG. Um, they'll probably sell it out anyway uh, now that Pakistan are there, but uh, they will sell it out and it will rate, they're saying already, it will rate as perhaps one of the biggest ever rating games of cricket in the history of uh, the sport. Uh, so, you know, I mean, they'll get good numbers for uh, the, the Women's Rugby World Cup. Uh, they'll get a good, a great attendance by the sound of it. It'll be a marvellous occasion, and so it should be. But uh, it's, it's, you're talking telephone numbers here uh, and, and on a worldwide scale. That is the way uh, Pakistan people, wherever they're living, whatever country they're living in, uh, Indian people, wherever they're living, whatever country they are living in, absolutely adore this game with a passion that we can't imagine. It's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens tonight in Adelaide. Have you got a steer on which way you think it will go? No, I haven't. I, I don't think it'll be a quick pitch again. I think you're right. I think it'll be a used surface, um, and whoever adapts to that the best. But India played have uh, played Bangladesh there. They've had the uh, uh, the advantage of uh, of playing on that surface. Um, England will be visiting Adelaide for the first time. The weight of the crowd will be massive. I mean, English fans are adoring and and are very faithful, but they will be like us last night. Uh, there'll be little pockets of them floating around, but this will be an Indi- like an Indian home game. Um, and that is just such a wonderful thing for their players. They, um, I, I guess I'd have to say India for me are slight favourites, but then uh, you've got to factor in uh, a butler, a butler innings, um, a Mark Wood devastating spell, uh, and, and England's good all-round side that they've got. Hales will be a factor. Uh, but I, I just tend to think on this big stage, it's almost destined to be a Pakistan-India final. So I'll go for them, um, Ricardo. Uh, I won't say reluctantly, but I, I just kind of think that um, they, they might be too good. Yeah, uh, I, I, that's the way I think it's going to go, mate. And uh, I've backed them at a buck seventy-eight at the tab for our TAB multi today, oh. Smithy. Um, one other thing I wanted to ask you about, going back to the New Zealand game, is 
Um, and you know, I know it's easy to say in hindsight, but given that we were playing on a used pitch, did we start the right bowling lineup? I know they've stuck to pretty much the same bowling lineup the whole way through, but given it was a, it was a lower, slower pitch, might we have been better off with Daryl Mitchell bowling a few overs, given the way he bowls, or maybe even chucking another spinner in there? We haven't used any other bowlers apart from five in the whole tournament. Now, that is remarkable. Absolutely remarkable when you consider, you know, the, the amount of cricket they've played on the varying surfaces they've played. To exist with just five bowlers in a tournament is quite staggering. Um, I, I thought perhaps we might have been able to go to Santner inside that first power play. Uh, you, you know, the, the bolt Saudi thing has been an undoubted success for us over the years. It, it absolutely has. And, you know, you've got to, I think, give them the first opportunity with a ball that might be swinging at night. Uh, and it did for a little while, uh, but it's only a little while. I, I think there was scope to bring uh, Santner in uh, just a little bit earlier. The Mitchell factor, I, I just don't think he's a good enough bowler. Uh, I think if uh, if he was, um, he may well have been used at times throughout this tournament, but uh, he's had a hand issue. Uh, you can see his hand's quite heavily strapped, um, and, and I, I, I really don't think that he's a genuine threat to a, a, a batting combination, the likes of uh, Rizwan or Barbara Zane. I think you've got to back your specialist, but... Perhaps a li- an earlier look at Santon might have been an, uh, a possible thing, but we're talking in hindsight here. Mm. The fact of the matter is, we we just did not, we just did not, um, you know, uh, perform our skills to that level. Not an easy catch that Conway put down, but a specialist wicketkeeper would have got that. There's no room for specialist wicketkeepers, it seems, in uh, in T20 cricket. Um, and, and you know, and that is the risk that you run. You know, the the, the trademark catches, the you know, the run of the mill catches. He'll get every you know, ten out of ten. It's that piece of brilliance you need from your wicketkeeper every now and then to get rid of a, a key player. Um, that was lacking last night. I don't blame Conway for that. I mean, that's uh, that is the role he's thrust in. He's a specialist batsman who does a keeping job um, to um, to a, a good effect. Uh, because that adds to the balance of the team in terms of the rest of your batting and your bowling. So, you know, you sacrifice skill, you sacrifice a bit of brilliance with your keeping department, but every now and then you are reminded of the fact that he is just that, a stand-in. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, I, th- I thought he was uh, particularly poor with the gloves last night, but then we were, I thought we were particularly poor in the field uh, for a lot of it, a lot of spilled mm. balls, you know. It, it certainly wasn't the sharpness that we're used to seeing uh, from the Black Caps. But, Smithy, what, is it, what does it mean for you from here? When are, we, when are you going to be back in this chair? Well, look, Ricardo, I'll be honest with you, I have no idea. I'm sitting um, right now um, waiting to hear from uh, the powers that be at the ICC as to... Uh, whether I can get on a plane home or whether they're going to take a couple of neutral commentators to Melbourne, I, I, I absolutely do not know. So when the phone rang, I knew it would be either you or uh, someone doing the organising, and I'm still sitting waiting. So um, don't worry, uh, you guys back there at SCNZ will be the first to know as soon as I know, mate. Yeah, all right, mate. Well, you missed, you missed, that's for sure. So uh, go well, and uh, whatever you do, do it well and travel safe, and we'll see you soon, mate. Yeah, uh, certainly. Uh, if uh, if not, well, it probably won't be tomorrow. But if uh, not Friday, then uh, hopefully Monday or Tuesday, mate. Sure. Cheers. Cheers. Go well. Uh, Ian Smith here with us out of Oz. Uh, we'll let him uh, get to it after a big night last night. I don't know about you, but I watched to the end and, um, you know, I wasn't working. Smithy was. And it, uh, he's done well to be on the phone with us uh, this morning, Australian time, the way things are working out. Uh, good to hear from the doyen. It is 11.18 here on SENZ. 
Uh, mornings with Ian Smith, of course, as you've just heard. Uh, we didn't manage to catch up with Louis Herman Watt earlier, but we do have plenty of texts coming through on the Temper Bed Post text machine. We'll get to some of those next. It's 11.24 here on SENZ, uh, Mornings with Ian Smith. I can uh, tell you that uh, Liverpool have now gone through. They won 3-2 on penalties against Derby County. Uh, she was a close run thing, that probably closer than they would have been comfortable with. A couple of texts that have come through on double eight double three double eight double three is the temper bedpost text machine. It's all well and good saying we needed more runs and should have done this and should have done that. But uh, are we going to look at how unreal the Pakistanis bowled and fielded? They never perform like that. We weren't allowed to score that many runs. It's as simple as that. That's a, yeah, that's a great call. Uh, no name on the text, unfortunately, but I think we can't um, lose sight of how well Pakistan played last night as well and how, you know, sometimes it's about how, how well the opposition lets you play. And I think uh, that is the point that is being made there. Thanks very much for your text. Keep those coming through, double eight, double three. Uh, Craig uh, from the Bay. Hi, Ricardo. I noticed you didn't review yesterday's multi. How did you get on? Oh, wait. I oh, know. I followed you in. Yeah, not well. Sorry, Craig. Uh, sorry for the bum steer on that one. It didn't go well at all. Uh, this text in from Patty. Hey, mate, hindsight is a wonderful thing. But for me, the balance was wrong. Potentially should have been this team. And then he lists the team. So Finn Allen and Conway at the top. Michael Bracewell at three. Kane Williamson at four. Uh, then Phillips, Mitchell, Neesham, Santner, Southie, Bolt and Ferguson. So it's really only one difference there. Um, uh, you yeah, know Sodi and bringing in Bracewell. But I think you need Sodi because Sodi's the point of difference. He's the lead spinner. I don't think Michael Bracewell with all the left armers three left-handers Pakistan had in their team. I don't think uh, maybe that was the, the the right call. I understand what you're saying, but also for me, having Bracewell and Williamson at three and four, once again, you got gatherers rather than big hitters, and that's what you need. And They just need to be more flexible, I think. In the batting lineup. That's that's how I see it. I know um, uh, Robbie, who's part of the uh, production team here today, he's, uh, he's running the panel and the phones for us. Robbie, you, you're a big cricket nut. You're a big cricket fan. What did you, what did you make of uh, that last night? Uh, I almost didn't come into work this morning. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you I, took it well then. Yeah, no, um, yeah, not not much sleep. Um, frustrating performance, uh, and yeah, I, I think it. Um, a lot of people have said it. Credit does go to Pakistan. They were just better than us, um, but. You know, we we um, there's a lot of things to review. Batting is one of them. I think, um, as a lot of people have said, we we needed to be a lot more, um, uh, kind of yeah, adjust a lot more um, in our batting lineup in terms of who we're bringing in at what time. Um, yeah, that was a main thing for me last night. Um, now uh, we've talked a bit about this. Talked a bit about Kane Williamson's future. Um, I also mentioned Trent Bolt, Tim Southey, Martin Guptill as well. There is a uh, an ODI World Cup next year. Um, of those four, who do you think will be there? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I I think um, I mean a lot of it will come down to um, availability, especially on the like Trent Bolt front, um, but. You'd think if they're if they're not gonna if they're not gonna back a Martin Guptill in short format, they won't back him in ODI cricket. But it might come down to um, Guppy coming back to play for the Auckland Aces in the Super Smash and Ford Trophy and show that he can actually still hit a ball well. And maybe they'll back him again. I'm not too sure. But yeah, 
yeah, it's um, yeah, it was interesting. You know, in that final, I mean, I think uh, I can't remember who it was that said it, but about Finn, it might have been Graham Beasley about Finn Allen. You know, takes the four first ball and then gets out to the same ball twice in a row. The first one, of course, he got the inside edge on, so he got the reprieve. But um, to try and play the same shot again, the next ball uh, just showed a little bit of a lack of experience. Yeah, it was it was almost. Um, I mean, obviously, it's it's easier to say this. You don't know how how fast or. Um, how hard facing 140 kilometres an hour is, but it was almost like he wasn't really accounting for the ball swinging. He was just kind of playing through the line of the ball and uh, hoping for the best, which uh, worked out for him on that first ball. But, yeah, it just uh, swung a bit too much for him. But, um, yeah, it was going on to hit the stumps and was unfortunate to be uh, the same ball twice in a row. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, it's just, uh, I mean, like you said, facing a 140 kilometre uh, an hour ball that's that's swinging like that is never going to be easy. Robbie, thinks yeah, I don't, I don't think I, I don't think we could open the batting for the Blackhawks. So it's, it's easy to uh, critique when we're not really doing it ourselves. But to, to be fair, I couldn't bat eleven for the Blackhawks. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll be running the juice. That'd be me. Best number eleven in the country, though. We've got Trembolt. <laughs> yeah, well, That'll that is be. true. Well, yeah, I think I think so. I think, you know, how many sixes has he hit now? Oh, something ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. His batting, his batting's always entertaining. I'll give him that. Yeah, yeah, he's he's good to watch, Trent. Maybe we should have put him at three when when uh, maybe may, yeah when uh, <laughs> when Finn Allen went out. Uh, a couple of texts that have come through. Yes, Pakistan were good, but our batting sure was insipid. Take the full tosses. Normally smacked for six. Last night noodles for one and two. Jesus. Uh, that's from Mark and Grosvich. Bracewell can smash it. He opens for Wellington's another text. Uh, yeah, just haven't seen him do it in the black caps. Um, this text has also come through. Love to know how much the TAB paid out on He's a Doozy. With the big bet from the boys get paid and people who got on it when it was at 51s, 41s, 26s and 12s, the fixed odds must have taken a hit. Uh, yeah, well, I've just uh, asked that question to Paul Mawati. I said, um, are we allowed to know how much the TAB paid out yesterday on He's a Doozy? He said, over half a million dollars on He's a Doozy. Um, and then a a green face on sick emoji followed by another emoji that is throwing up. So that's how the TAB are feeling about it today. But the punters got paid uh, yesterday on He's a Doozy. So that is uh, good to see. Um Hey, Rick, New Zealand cricket sadly has no ruthlessness. We are skilled and precise, no killer instinct. It's time to discuss Gary Stedder's coach. We are, I hate to say it, an unthreatening, soft approach. Um, that is, uh, This is from John. He said, uh, and it gets us to the, to the point, then when we need to the grunt and grit, there is none. By the way, we played exactly the same against England and learnt nothing from the game. Also, why is Tim Southey still involved? He's well past it with a white ball, not explosive enough. So John uh, coming out swinging as well. There you go. Keep those texts rolling through double eight, double three. It is 11.30. Uh, we're just about ready for Araha with her latest in news and sport, but that means that it is also nearly time for Stumped. If you want to play Stumped and win yourself a $50 TAB bonus bet. Give us a call now. 0800 150 0800 150 Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Oh, and is he what? Man, it was awesome hearing from Smithy just then. Uh, Ricardo? Yeah, great to hear from Smithy. And, uh, you know, you could you could hear the disappointment. He was trying, he was being a pro, but you could hear the disappointment. Absolutely. He lives and breathes it eh, and loves it so yeah. much. Um, I, I can't remember who was telling me this, this morning, but uh, 
it might have actually been Robbie. Someone came through with a, a joke on one of the posts on Twitter. Uh, well, this time it wasn't by the barest of margins or something <laughs> along those lines, right? And that line is so iconic, you know, it gets yeah. used by other commentators who look up to Smithy. So, it's, uh, yeah, it's just, just an awesome thing, that. Uh, but that result was crap. Yeah. But anyway, it's that time of the day where we uh, give you a chance to stump today, Ricardo. Uh, it is time for Stump by Smithy. Now, our listeners all pretty much know how to play this, and uh, we have our phone lines loaded up. Ricardo, how are you feeling about it today? Well, to be honest, I'm a bit dusty um, because it just goes to the late night, not because of any uh, imbibing of things, uh, but just, you know, uh, you know, I got a, uh, the alarm goes pretty early, and I had, to, I had to sit up to watch the end of the cricket, so I knew what was going on. So, yeah, sleep is... Um, you know, was I, I got about probably five hours, so I, I could have more. Could have had more. Oh yes, yes, yes. Okay, that no, sounds like you and sleep don't get on very well. No. All right. Now, uh, first up at the crease this morning is our man Zaid. Come in, Zaid. How are you? Yeah. Good. Good morning, Brian. Yeah, morning, mate. Morning, mate. Good to hear from you. Now, you know how this goes, so we'll just get into it. I've got the three categories yep. for you right here. The first one is football, second one World Series, and third is tennis. What would you like to go with, please, Zaid? We'll have to go with soccer. I don't really know much about the other two. Soccer football it is. Let's get this music going. All right, Zaid, the uh, first, first question. The Champions League draw for the final 16 is out. Who have defending champions Real Madrid matched up against? Liverpool. Just a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot. And away it goes. A rematch of last year's final. Yeah, I wasn't even going to ask if you knew that, Rick. Because I knew you probably did. You know what's happening in the seventh league in (laughs) Denmark and stuff like that. It's just, it's insane. Uh, Second question. Well done on that one. Who is the top goal scorer for the Wellington Phoenix so far this season, mate? If you don't get this, you're going home, Zaid. Is it Ben Wayne? Just a couple of chips down the wicket. I didn't even... Right in the slot, and away it goes. I didn't even read the answer. I just gauged off Rick's uh, reaction, and uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you, you did right now. I'm double-checking that answer. Third question for all the chocolates. Three goalkeepers in the Premier League share the lead for the most clean sheets so far this season. Can you name one of those three men? Um, Edison... Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Boom, you know it, mate. Edison, Man City, six clean sheets. Rick, do, do, do you know any of the others? Uh, other clean sheets, uh, maybe uh, Aaron Ramsey at Arsenal. Nailed it. Yeah, yeah, he'd be one of the others. And I'm just trying to think who else. Aaron Ramsdale, you mean, not Aaron Ramsey. Sorry, Aaron, Aaron Ramsdale, sorry. Aaron Ramsey's another former Arsenal player. Uh, yeah, he yeah. was a midfielder for Arsenal. Yeah, um, that's right. Maybe the other one, I'm going to go maybe the, um, I'm trying to remember, is it Martinez, the uh, goalkeeper at Brighton? No, Ooh. no, 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 okay. no. If I was to say to you, Novacastrian, what, what would you say? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So Nick Pope up in Newcastle. Nailed it. Nailed it. Mm, there you go. Of course, not yeah, the same Newcastle. Well Newcastle. I, reckon, I reckon they're one of the most informed teams right now. Yeah, they're playing pretty well, Zay. Congratulations, mate. That $50 TAB bonus bet is yours. Where are you going to put that this weekend? Well, I'm pretty hyped for the UFC this weekend, eh? That's what I'm looking forward to. Probably the UFC. Yeah, UFC. Who have you got? 
Are you going to go the uh, Kiwi probably, trifecta? Maybe, yeah. I know it's paying 11 bucks boosted, but uh, I don't know. Wait, Dan Hooker's Dan Hooker needs a real big one this weekend. He's it could be the end of his career if he loses this one to. Is it Claudio, Claudio Pulios? Whatever yeah. his name is. Yeah, yeah, so, it's yeah, a big and, um, the ankle breaker specialist. Yeah, it's a that's the one. Big fight, so. That's the one. He's a leg lock and, um, specialist. He doesn't have the easiest fight ahead of him either. Yeah, the Greg, so. the, Greg the Hammer Valentine styles. The figure four. The figure four. Yeah, there you go. Good stuff. Hey, thanks very much, Dave. Go well, mate. And uh, good luck uh, punning on the UFC this weekend. Yo, cheers. Cheers. 22 away from uh, midday here on SENZ. We've got a Greyhound Racing New Zealand charity run uh, to get to. We'll cross over with staff as well. And uh, keep your texts rolling through to 8833. Get your take on the cricket. The Black Caps are... Where do you go from here if you're New Zealand cricket, if you're Gary Stead, if you're Kane Williamson? Uh, keen to hear your thoughts. Double eight double three is the temper bedpost text machine. It's the Great Greyhound Racing New Zealand Charity Run. All right, here we go. This is uh, your Greyhound Racing New Zealand charity run. You can join us each week as we try and raise funds for four New Zealand charities, all thanks to Greyhound Racing New Zealand. Uh, today, this is our tip. Now, this is uh, actually a race tomorrow. There's no market out for it just yet, but it is race one, thrilling Elise. Um, last four starts, two seconds, a win and a third. So uh, looks pretty solid. Uh, thrilling Elise is what we're backing in there. Now, our totals raised um, for, obviously, we've got four different charities, four different shows. Uh, the charity for uh, this show is uh, the Women's Refuge, and uh, unfortunately, we're not doing you uh, too much, too many favours. Only 82.50 raised in mornings on the dogs. Uh, drive, 267.50. Breakfast, 40, 477.50. But afternoons with staff, absolutely smashing it. $1,265 they have raised um, thanks to thanks to Greyhound Racing New Zealand on the charity run. And you can tune in to SENZ every Sunday from midday for Greyhound Racing New Zealand's Dog Speed Show as well. It's hosted by two legendary Greyhound experts and Mark Rosanowski and Dan Roberts. And you won't miss a beat with Greyhound Racing New Zealand's Dog Speed Show. A couple of texts that have come through on double eight double three. Stephen Ricardo, I trialed for Palace in 1979. Terry Venables, me and uh, Jenny Sansoni. I think that may be a uh, a typo. Maybe um, is that maybe Kenny Sampson who ended up at Arsenal? Maybe had a great time. Um, Stephen, thanks very much for your text, mate. Thanks very much for listening. Keep them coming through. Uh, this one from Zane. Morning, lads. To be fair, the Black Caps played one pretty good game against Aussie, who played terrible. Other than that, we played average throughout the World Cup, and we were terrible in the lead-up games. Shows people were being unrealistic in, expect, in, in expecting us to go any further in the World Cup, and shows we really do need to rethink the whole team setup. In my opinion, cheers, Zane. Thanks very much for your text. I think that's 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 probably worth a conversation. I know it's something that Smithy was has definitely said. Look, you know, maybe we need to look at the coaching. Pretty much everywhere else, and every other country in the world has a separate T20 coach, right? Um, so, do we approach a Stephen Fleming, who's done it before? Uh, you know, he he came in to the World Cup to help out in, in the camp. Does he want to do it? I know uh, there's going to be a shake up in Australia. Daniel Vittori is currently their spin coach. Do we? See if Dan Vittori wants to be the New Zealand T20 coach. There's, there's certainly enough knowledge in the New Zealand game around there. Who would you like to see 
coaching New Zealand in T20s if it's not going to be Gary Stead. Keen to hear from you. Double eight double three, the Temper Bed Post text machine. Double eight double three, or you can call us on oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. I think it's a conversation worth having. And of the current setup, who do you think is going to stick around? I mean, it is an aging team. We we're starting to. We've already seen that. You know, we've already lost a few people. People like Ross Taylor. We don't think at thirty three we're going to see much of Trent Bolt much longer. Especially now, he's no longer on a centralised contract. He can pick and choose where and when he plays. Guppy looks like he's on the outer as well. He's been uh, surpassed by Finn Allen in the T20. Does he stick around or does he do a bolt? Um, can he afford to? Is that going to work for him? And then Kane, you know, that's the other question. I mean, Southie's been questioned as well, but Captain Kane, um, it's been suggested uh, by me and by a few other people that maybe the evolution of the T20 game has gone past. I'm sure he scored runs in the last two games, but what's the strike rate been? It hasn't been great, um, and it needs to be consistently better than what it is, and we're not seeing that at the moment. Uh, keen to hear from you. Double eight double three is the temper bed post text machine. Uh, who do you want to see potentially coaching New Zealand cricket in the white ball game? Let us know. Double eight double three or oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. There's certainly a few options around, a few names around. Of course, uh, Baz is no 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 longer available, but uh, what he's doing in England. Uh, but there are some big names. Around, I'll tell you what, another one would be Shane Bond, potentially. You know, he's coached in lots of IPL franchises um, and has been a bowling coach as well and has come into the New Zealand setup before. So, you know, do we need a, a different take, a more aggressive take? Somebody, I mean, that's the other thing to remember is Gary Stead is a knows cricket like the back of his hand. He's a very good coach, not arguing that. But he never played T20 because it wasn't around. It's a different mindset. So we need, do we need somebody that's been there at the coalface of it? and play the game to understand how it works. Who else would you recommend? Who would you look at? Let us know, Double eight, double three to coach New Zealand in white ball cricket, particularly T20, if it is not going to be Gary Stead. We are 11 away from midday when we come back. Mark Stafford's going to join us. Six away from midday, timely song, The Cult of Personality, because so much about coaching is personality, staff. And uh, we were talking on air before, we were talking off air just now about uh, potentially, you know, I talked to Smithy about it. He thought it was a, a good idea. It certainly needs discussing. Um, a few people have suggested as well, we need a new coach for the New Zealand T20 team. Most of the world has separate T20 or white ball coaches to red ball coaches. Gary Stead's never played T20 cricket. He's quite a conservative person. You need It's a young man's sport. You need a younger, more aggressive type of coach. Who would you look at for New Zealand if it wasn't going to be Gary Stead in, t- in charge of the T20 team? Um, Brendan McCullum. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a bit of a no-brainer. I heard someone say yesterday on one of the Aussie shows that the T20 game is, is now for the mid-20-year-olds. It's mm. explosive. It's athletic. Every, as you mentioned, every other team in the world have a T20 coach, but New Zealand don't. If it didn't work, they wouldn't do it overseas. Exactly. Um, and, you know, I can't be the Michelin star. I can cook bacon and eggs, but I can't, I can't be a Michelin star chef, so I don't take it on. And, like, it's no slight on Gary Stead. And we seem to do it in sport. We give people jobs that... But not the right person to do, and it reflects badly on them as a person. He's mm. not a bad person. He's probably a really good test coach. Yep. Um, it's a little bit more sedate. It's right up his alley. And I think it's been exposed a little bit, uh, not only him, but the people he's got out there as well. Um, like, like Kane? or Like Kane um, and like, 
you know, Mitch Santner, very good T20 player, but he's not going to. When we when the tide was turning last night, I was looking for the huddle and someone getting up them, like. Pakistan have those guys. Virat Kohli's that guy. Ben Stokes is that guy. We don't have that guy, and just so, and I don't think even if we did have that guy, they haven't got the guts to do it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Actually, it's 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 about that uh, that aggression, right? Mm. Uh, and 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 attacking the game more basically is what mm. is what is what we want. That's what we needed last night. Didn't get it. We were second with the bat. We were second in the field. We were second with the ball. The only thing we won is the toss. And even then, <laughs> I, I don't know. We made the right decision. Great anthem too. Yeah. Oh, did you enjoy the anthem? I enjoyed our anthem. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. That was good. That, that, that's good. I'm glad. I'm glad uh, that, that we won the anthem as well, uh, Staff. But yes, I mean, so much sport on at the moment. Uh, but that is the cricket World Cup done for us. Uh, here's a question for you. Mm. Um, they used a they used a used pitch last night. Mm. Now I floated this with Smithy and a couple other people. If this is your showpiece event for the ICC, the T20 World Cup. What are people who are casual cricket fans who don't watch Test cricket or one-day cricket tune in for for T20s? They tune in for the hits, right, for the sixes? Yeah. By using worn pitches or used pitches, they tend to be lower and slower, so you get less big hitting. Mm. Um, We hear it's the same in Adelaide for the semi-final between India and England. You read between the lines, it's almost like they wanted it India-Pakistan final and tried to engineer it with the pitches they, they were using. What do you think? Yeah, look, in a test match, they always say the best batting conditions is usually day two, sometimes three. Yeah. They're batting and playing on day five and six pitches, um, which isn't – you tailor it. Uh, I'm sorry, bowlers, but you're going to get caned. The pitches are batters paradises. That's what they need to be because that's what T20 is. We should have seen numerous totals of over 200 or around that 200 mark, and we're seeing <laughs> – we're seeing 140s and 150s, which um, it's not enough. No. no. Seeing, seeing too many dot balls, seeing, seeing too many batsmen just really, really struggling. That's not why T20's here. No, exactly. It's for the big hits. It's for the big hits. But uh, chances today, uh, I mean, who are you backing? You're backing India? Oh, just that pull of a packed MCG of Pakistan, India. The powers that be want India, don't they? Yep, um, I, I think so. Um, but England, good credentials, probably in the last year had the best white ball form of any side. Wonderful performers. I, I understand they've lost Wood out of the team. He's been a really crucial member. That could be the difference. Yeah. Um, but, geez, oh, I hope India get through to the final because 100,000 uh, expat subcontinent uh, originators will be in there. It'll be off the hook. Yeah, oh, mate. How big will it be at the MCG? I reckon I could stand out on my deck and hear it <laughs> from Australia. <laughs> it's going to be so big. Yeah, it's going to be absolutely massive, mate. Uh, speaking of massive, of course, uh, midday madness on the way. What are you? What are you talking? Cricket. Yeah, I want people's theories. You know, like we haven't got a cricket guest. Um, so yeah, the the listeners are our cricket guest. Also got former Scottish international Marty Leslie is oh, coming on the show. Cool, which is cool. Tony Johnson as as always. Uh, the vault's back, and we've got a greyhound tipster, one of the best. Yeah, for New Zealand Cup night at the Greyhounds. Yeah, big night tonight. Big night tonight, indeed. All right, good stuff, mate. Uh, have a great show. Cheers, mate. Look forward to it. I will be back at three o'clock this afternoon um, for Phoenix Nation as well. We've got Clayton Lewis. 
Lily Elfeld, the Phoenix and, and Ferns keeper, and Neil Kilkenny, the former Leeds United player who's playing for Western United. They're all coming on the show from 3 o'clock today. But have a great show, Steph. See you again at 3. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.